up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Good Anime Palette Podcast. This is episode number 63. I am your co-host, Jason, and I'm joined, as always, as usual, with Will over here. What's up? You sound a lot chipper and a lot more active than usual. Usually your intros are, what's up, everybody? This is Jason and Will. What's up? What 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 got you a spring in your step? Was it uh, all the anime you've been watching? Has anything been happening in your life? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot happening in my life, but I kinda didn't sleep today. Yeah. So you were just binging anime just in preparation for today's episode, then. Yeah. I mean, granted, Will, you you did have to watch more. So hats off to you for for pulling through on that because that, that, that was that was intense, bro. For it, sure, it, it wasn't easy. But on my end, uh. I had some unexpected things that I just had to take care of, which I don't really feel like I need to talk on the podcast, but just you big, know all just, just some big boy moves, right? Big boy moves, yeah. Some reworking, if you will. But then um, afterwards, I was like, you know what? Let's let's get this thing going. Yep. So we're going to streamline today's episode, as you have already really seen. Uh, we are going to be going over our anime closet cleanup, the fifth iteration. Um because of the fact that uh, due to our current recording schedule, um, we are recording this slightly after uh, episode 62, which means um, during the time between now and then, there hasn't been a whole lot of anime news, nor do we really want to go into them. So instead, we're just going to go straight into what we've been reading and watching. Now, I've not really been watching a whole lot of other stuff. Um, recently, you've been doing your cleanups, but I think about a couple of weeks ago, you did finish watching a anime movie so um you put it off last time so i think it might be a good time to go over it so what movie were you watching and how do you feel about it so uh teasing master takagi-san colon the movie is the anime movie that i watched on high dive and uh it is basically the finale movie for teasing master takagi-san teasing master takagi-san definitely is a very well-known manga has three seasons and there are each season, I think, is in a different streaming platform. I think the first one is on Crunchyroll. It was Crunchyroll, Netflix, High Dive. Yes, that's correct. And the finale movie is on High Dive. It premiered in June 2023. Uh, the Raw Mouse score, 8.52. Rank 114, which is kind of crazy. Um, and honestly, I just wanted to give a shout out to the movie. Mainly because it is a movie that wraps up the whole series obviously if you know the irl stuff there is a spin-off manga and obviously the manga is also the the main parent manga being teasing master takagi-san is also ongoing as an ended but uh the plot of the movie is kind of anime original but it is shenanigans between the main two uh mcs main characters um it's a great finale movie I gave it an 8 out of 10, though, because I think the whole anime original plot was kind of meh, but it was all right. Um, the orchestral soundtrack, though, I, I mean, I, it's just one of those things where I think with a movie, you just have more breathing room in terms of where you allocate your budget, in theory. And with a movie, you can put it in theaters and whatnot, and then on streaming platforms. So I think, to a certain extent, you can kind of channel your your where you spend your money and of course orchestral music soundtrack is not necessarily a very you know 
a costly thing in in comparison to maybe an, a TV anime production. You might even argue it is even cheaper in a way because a TV spans occur at least, right? Well, so. it depends. I mean, like I think when you talk about timing as well. I mean, this movie was what like one and a half, two hours long. Uh, yeah. Compared to like a twenty-five minute episode, you have a lot more room oh, no, in with- terms of how to basically flesh out your composition, right? If you're doing like a, a singular episode throughout like one cur, you only have so much orchestral music or even just music in general that you can put into 25 minutes, whereas you have a lot more time to create ambience, crescendos, and develop feelings between the listener, like the, the, the listening to the music and seeing what's on screen. So I think that's probably why there's a little bit more freedom. It does sound like a massive undertaking when you're doing a whole movie compared to a single episode, but it's probably easier just to be able to create a flow between uh, from beginning to end if you're doing like a consecutive uh, movie production as opposed to breaking up each episode based on what kind of music you want per episode. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know. And um, the, the storyline, obviously, rather than it being split into maybe episodes or vignettes that all three seasons of Teasing Master Takagi-san is well known for, it's just one whole story for, um, I just double-checked the runtime, it is an hour and 13 minutes, so Roughly uh, 75 minutes is 73 minutes. Um, crazy thing is um, post-credit scene is a must-watch because I think it's a very fitting conclusion towards the whole main series. Now, whether or not they decide to do more seasons or even do an adaptation of the spin-off manga, uh, that I, I have no clue, but they have definitely laid the groundworks for it. Would you say this was like the perfect send off for all the Takagi-san fans? Like in terms of, I think you know you've you've gone through three seasons of the anime. You you you're probably inclined to finish all off with the finale movie. Yeah, I mean at that point it's kind of you just need to know. I have to admit though, at the uh, midpoint towards the end of season three, is this really like crescendo moment that I think is way more impactful than anything in the movie but i guess it's kind of hard to maintain that sort of finale of the season three finale into the movie when it's kind of obvious the direction that they're heading towards so i don't know if the movie will then have a lot of other spin-offs or whatnot but hey it's a great finale movie. You owe it to yourself if you've watched all three seasons to just watch the finale movie. Oh. It's a solid 8 out of 10. You know what you need to do then? You need to turn on your high dive or subscribe or get a free trial and watch the movie. I mean, assuming you've already watched season three of Takagi-san, that you would have already had high dive. So, look, if you have high dive, you've watched all three seasons, you might as well get on it, and it'll still be a good time. Yeah, and, and I, I, think- I think it's it's still very much like a... Same shit, different day kind of thing, but that's not a bad thing. Yeah, definitely not a bad thing. And even if you do, uh, you know, you have not watched season three and the movie, uh, do the free trial because I think season three is the best of all three seasons of the uh, Teasing Master Takagi-san. Not anime. to mention, like High Dive has been doing work in terms of picking up good shows to put on their platform. Yeah, Oshinoko doing bangers. So there you go, High Dive getting a lot of W's. So uh, that's what I've been um, watching. Of course, I've been reading a bit, but and that's that's what it is, really. Another Yuri? Well, there's also like a lot of other random like mid-mangas that are just kind of there. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll just wrap up the read and watch because I haven't been reading and watching anything separately from what's going to be discussed today in our main discussion. So we're going to come, jump straight into our fifth anime closet cleanup. Now to sort Woo! of remember what uh, both Jason and I were watching, uh, for my cleanup, I was watching Akamega uh, Kill, Shoujo Kakaki Review Starlight. Here on out, we'll be referring it to us, Review Starlight, because there is another show called Kakaki Shoujo, and that can be very confusing for a lot of people. Yes. Uh, a Lull in the Sea, and because of that point, it did reach a five cur limit for our pickups uh it does mean that unfortunately that would be the the only three that i'll be going over but i'll have plenty to talk about for each individual series for jason he'll be talking about toilet bun, han, uh, toilet bound hanako-kun or jibaku shonen hanako-kun stars align or hoshiai nosora batum and dance dance dancer so he'll have the full four shows to talk about during his closet cleanup lineup now, uh, just a friendly reminder, if you are not sure what the closet cleanup is or how it works, we actually now have a rules page on our website, so you can check it out, and then you can kind of get the rundown on how things work. But uh, yeah, now we're just going to go straight into it, right, Will? Yeah, I think because I have fewer series to talk about, why don't we start with one of yours? You watched four of them. I think one of them you mentioned that you were close to finishing but not quite um but that's fine i think as long as you're main you, you get the main gist i mean i would assume that you've watched more than 50 percent of a series you would have already got the main gist of something so which show do you want to start off with for today's anime closet cleanup the fifth edition let's start with that shitty anime i'm talking about my first cleanup batum it is based on the completed manga of the same name by junya inue who uh has written the story and did the art published in English by Yen Press since February 2013 has 27 volumes and 125 chapters Uh, the anime premiered in fall 2012 and produced by Studio Madhouse obviously a legacy studio very well known and uh, also is still like would you say have some sort of redemption arc you know, the past couple of seasons. Well, I mean, they're, at least they're, they're, st- they're still around. They're still like in people's periphery. I'm not sure if they've managed to get back to that same pedestal they had like six, seven years ago. But look, I, I think that as long as they're getting work, um, that's fine. Yeah, but it's not know, dissolved at yeah. least, right? The and, studio. And, and Batum did come out a while ago. So this yeah. is not necessarily a reflection of what's Mahou's doing today, but rather what they've done in the past. So you mentioned that it was an incredibly shitty anime to watch let's remove that spite and then maybe just talk about what batum is how much you actually watched of it and then go into the spite okay so first of all the manga source has a score of 7.51 and the anime has a mouse score of 7.29 so very very similar uh the popularity of the anime though is 189 so very very popular and the plot is basically if you played PUBG um what what's PUBG stand for public underground battlegrounds or something like that i suppose uh that battle royale genre if you played any if you heard of battle royale the actual uh, novel I oh no, it's uh it's player unknown because oh, that was sorry. the guy who created it. Oh okay, cool. Player unknown battlegrounds. I always just know it as PUBG. Um, the context of battle royale is you have to understand, listeners, that I love 
the movie and the novel of Battle Royale, which is a live action movie that I think there's a sequel that is kind of meh. Um, but I liked it so much that I bought the translated uh, English official novel and read through that. And uh, I hold that kind of genre quite near and dear to my heart. I think Apex Legends and all these other similar Battle Royales, Fortnite obviously, has been very, very relevant nowadays. And the story is basically, main character is super good at this battle royale that involves using bombs. And uh, one day, he was playing a game, goes to the convenience store. You know, he's kind of a neat. In other words, he is kind of a shut-in, doesn't have a job, and throws tantrums at his mom when his mom tries to sort of egg him to get a job. He has been unemployed, and he kind of is hung up, obsessed with trying to get a job at this video game company that makes this Battle Royale game that he plays, Batum. And then uh, he goes to the convenience store, I don't know, at some point, and then all of a sudden he faints and then wakes up on an island. And this island all of a sudden has a bunch of people. There are planes that will airdrop supplies and people uh, you know, parachuting down. And in the bag is these bombs that are very reminiscent of the game that he plays. And he is so good at that game, he's like top 10 in Japan, that he is trying to survive and realize that people die in real life due to bombs. And if you don't get killed, you have to kill. Right. Be or be killed, basically. Exactly. Okay. Survival of the fittest type stuff. Right. So what was so shit about it? It is extremely edgy. But to the point where it's kind of very like heavy-handed and done very thick. Um, it just didn't vibe with me. I think if it was in 2012 and there wasn't all these battle royale genres, there wasn't all these similar types of like whether it's isekai because technically they get transported to an island i guess but then there's all these similar animes or or mangas light novels that you know has evolved the genre and what i don't like is when it becomes edgy for edgy's sake you know will as an edgelord former edgelord well, i think like our definitions of edge are different right so what is about what is it about the edge that you didn't like in batum I have nothing against the gore and violence, but it's really hard to get into without saying spoilers. But let's say that there's this person that shows up in the island and they are just a bad dude, like really bad dude. But then when you know he's a bad dude, they're like, no, 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 really. Like he like mutilates animals and has sex with them. Just to, you know, show how bad he is. And our main character, he is so good at the game, but he's just not good. Like, he, 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 video games can be applied to a, technically a real-life pseudo-situation. Oh, the, the main female character, the love interest, is a damsel in distress. And a lot of bad shit happens to her, and she gets basically thrown around metaphorically and physic and literally and it's just such a cringe show i don't really see where the edge is though other than the 
bestiality. I mean, you're mentioning that it's just being edgy for edgy's sake, but at the moment, it just sounds like a standard Battle Royale, Survival of the Fittest kind of anime slash manga. And I think that is why it is also unappealing to me. But then like, you're not explaining why it's edgy for being edgy's sake. What do you mean by that? Like, you, like, let me like break it down. Because you me. haven't said anything really edgy about it, other than the bestiality. Well, uh, the blood violence is extremely front and center. They go into how there is society is just like this evil, rotten place, and there is no redemption whatsoever. And people who redeem themselves or try to do good gets fucked over constantly. And then you could say, okay. Well, isn't that kind of that's basically what that's basically what a life. battle royale is, though? Exactly. You know, but, but I think it's done in a way that is so ham-fisted and so uninspiring that, to me, maybe at tw- in twenty twelve, this would have been a much more appreciated show in my eyes. And I'm not saying that if you like Batum, you you are any lesser of a person or. Or, or your tastes. I mean, in you're talking anime. about the top 200 popularity, right? Yeah. Like, so it's, it's obviously resonating with a lot of people. Over 800,000 members on my anime list. So clearly, a lot of people like it. But I think, like, when you're talking about an anime entry that existed many, 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 many years ago, it's kind of hard to see if there's any new ones that are joining now, right? That number pretty much represents the popularity back then, and it stayed to this day. But like with a lot of shows, that you just think that maybe this one didn't age well, or do you think it's like this is only popular for its time? And if you were to try and recommend this to somebody this day, it probably wouldn't be anything. You you probably re- recommend something else, like actually watching live action Battle Royale. Yeah, or a number of different animes. I mean, I can't think of one on top of my head right this moment. But also, like the writing for some of the characters Darwin's are very. Game. You know what? I like Darwin's game more. Mm. How about that? Mm. I think Darwin's game does more with the mechanics in terms of the the Batum video game and translating bombs. Because at first I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. You use bombs. You don't use guns. But then how do you outsmart your opponents? It doesn't really matter apparently in, in the game. Like as in on the island, the IRL game, the characters are all like, very generic and some of the things you have to have the suspension of disbelief and there's this like oh there's this conspiracy how do you get transported to the island is it made by the batum developers or not what is their intentions and none of that gets really answered um there's a plot element at one point where it is kind of like high school the dead there's like the bullet time moment Mm. except it is a bomb bouncing off of a certain female character's bosom and in High School of the Dead, it was done in a way that was kind of absurd, comedic, like crazy. Whereas this one, it was just like, what the fuck? Where did that come from? Or listen, hey, this bad guy is real bad. He murdered a lot of people on the island, betrayed you. Like, we can't let him live. And then the main character is like, nah, 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 it's all, it's all good. Well, he's 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 fine. Redemption arc. Do you think that maybe the problem is less about the edge and more just about how it's a badly written plot and character background? Oh, absolutely. I have nothing against edge. I just think that 
there is a certain fine line when like you need to have like good characters and good plot to carry that edge but when you don't have those then it just looks like a very badly like poorly executed show yeah it's kind of like it just is very uninspiring i don't think the violence or the gore or the the plot beats is like necessarily egregious i just don't think the characters are very interesting i think the plot line is very bland and i think what happens doesn't make sense when all of a sudden everyone murders everyone in order to survive but then it just so happens that the one bad guy that does a lot of shit you decide to live and then regret that decision maybe it is you being optimistic but then there is no it just doesn't make sense to me right now the anime came out in 2012 i believe and yeah fall now the manga itself though had run for had run for almost 10 years i think between 2009 through to 2018 so it actually didn't like end that long ago. It was like about five years ago. So basically, you had around three years worth of material, and then you had just one season. I think it's only twelve episodes, right? It's just yeah, one so far, yeah. So then that's kind of the question I wanted to bring up. Where do you feel that at any moment that maybe because of the fact that they were just adapting what they had at the time, and because of the fact that it was such a popular genre, that they were just kind of just rushing this out, and therefore there wasn't a lot of afterthought putting into how to actually mold the edginess i think it's a relatively new genre uh, at that time i think the only thing that i can think of well, that there's it, fate stay night that came out in 2005 yeah and i think gantz is also a very similar yeah. type of i wouldn't so i wouldn't say it's like i would say it's actually at the height right because you had a lot of those really gory battle royale kind of series i mean like to be fair you, i mean it's always you, been you, there you, yeah you're right you think yeah. about it saw technically was yeah. a battle royale right yeah you're 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 right yeah but so, I, think, so I, think, I think that's basically what it was where it's like you were talking about a genre that was so popular then that you wanted to try and rush something out do you think that that might have been why the fact that like the manga is i think rated like several decimal points higher than the original than the anime adaptations like it's 7.51 yeah yeah and the anime is 7.29 yeah. so it's not like a huge disparity but it's clear that in terms of you know whilst maybe not having the same amount of members and popularity um it's still very highly rated in terms of like the manga and that's i think probably i mean i didn't watch it but do you think that's that could be something that contributed to why it wasn't a really well executed show that it basically just rushed a lot of things maybe certain character backstories if they had more time to flesh them out that it would have made more sense as to why they're so edgy i think like i mean for example that's i mean i don't, I don't really want to talk about bestiality because it's fucked up but like was there a whole lot of backstory as to why this character was a no a murderous bestiality no yeah. no yeah so that then okay no it's just yo he he fucks animals. He fucks no. Well, he fucks dead animals. Well, he he mutilates dead animals and then also does some really heinous things to human beings and also has things with them. You know. Yeah. Just to illustrate how bad this person is, and to me, it's like I already know he's bad at the at like like ten like ten minutes ago before you had to tell me all this. Also, there's no motivation. There, does there need to be a motivation? I just, it just sounded very, like in your face, like, oh, this guy, bad. But perhaps if you know, I mean, I we we haven't read the manga, but maybe there might have been more panels to sort of explain 
entirely what, yeah. possible for sure right. and again like i'm not trying to disparage if you enjoyed the show or not and maybe what if i was let's say younger and i might have dug the like show you're, you're more very single-minded you just wanted to see blood and gore on tv right then you might be like yeah no this is like the greatest thing ever i think it's very entertaining i guess is is kind of like the one but saving it, grace but it feels hollow right extremely hollow and there is the one thing i guess i was holding out hope was it's super popular i've heard a lot about it such that it's on both of our plan to watch lists the the mind bomb madhouse as well right madhouse okay so here's the thing it's actually very well produced like it looks good for sure yeah a lot of the production is very very good like in general like music voice acting very good. Very, character animations very good like nothing wrong with that whatsoever in fact i think is extremely like it's like an eight out of ten in that respect but i the just writing is probably what you would like yeah. Hold back on giving it like a good score. Yeah, and I it, it just recalls like watching the anime version of Gantz and just being wholly disappointed, even though it is not necessarily deviating a lot from the source. It just hit different at that time, and maybe it, I'm just not the right person to watch it, or you're just not in the right time or mindset for it, right? Like again, you said like I, if you watch this actually when it released ten years ago, hey. It could have been something that was your jam. I watched this first of all of my cleanups. Yeah. And then after the second episode where a major event happens of a backstory of the female character, I then finished everything else, then came back to Batum. And how many episodes did you manage to get through before you're like, nah, I think I know exactly where I'm going with this. This is enough for me to watch now. Uh, episode four because wow. uh so you didn't even you basically got to a third of it and at that point you're like nope i don't think anything more is going to change my mind yeah because i had time to finish it i just was like no this is this is horrendous it's not even it's not interesting to me it's just very generic and I probably would have given it a five or a six out of ten if I finished it. Does it have a place today? Like, if someone was trying to look for something that was like gory, in your face, violent, you know, maybe like a you know, someone just wants to watch more, no, no, like Gleipnir or Darwin's Game. Yeah, both of those sound better. Even Gleipnir. Yeah, because wow. Gleipnir at least offers a bit more of an interesting twist, right? But I just had no. There was no inspiration from, no even no strategic element in the whole use of bombs, such that. Yeah, I think that's that's another thing I wanted to you know dive into as well. Whenever you watch these kinds of battle royale shows, you it really dives deeper into tactics, mentality, battle strategy, and whatnot. It, does any of that exist? In because it, it, so far it just sounds like gore, bombs, and dead animal fucking, and human um yeah a uh, future diary is probably any of these shows in principle is the exact same concept and premise maybe but, without the bestiality yeah of course without all the 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 the, the quote-unquote un, unnecessary things in, in in the show right but uh i don't know what kind of battle royale show that you would watch that is worse than Batum, in my opinion, in Oof. recent memory. I'm looking at, like, High School of the Dead. You would probably watch that. Mirai Nikki, which is Future Diary. Of course, I don't know much about Dead Man Wonderland, but 
the at least the manga sounds pretty awesome from what you're saying. The manga's great. The anime, I think it's just because again they're rushing the adaptation. A lot of stuff gets kind of cut out. Um, I know there are people that liked the anime, and I get that because it's probably easier to watch action as opposed to read it. But I would push people to read the manga. How about this? Platinum End, I would probably suggest over Batum. Oh, but that was so boring. That was really. But then again, we only got through like episode one or two. But so. maybe the. But to me, the premise of what they could have done with Platinum End is way more interesting to me when you fall short rather than Batum, where it's like, okay, you can build a good story and plot beat from this. How are you going to do this? And apparently. In my opinion, it doesn't do anything. Now you haven't read the manga, but it's clear that one is well, higher like higher rated. Like I wouldn't say superior, just because it, 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 everybody's boats float differently. Um, but given the fact that you couldn't even get through, you know, more than a third of Batum, would you, with your limited knowledge, then suggest to someone if you really want to get into Batum? You might want to consider getting the manga as opposed to watching the anime. I think one of the covers of Batum, which is on the my anime list like image, mm. is basically a parody of the Xbox yeah. 360 it's, it's, cover. It, it's Xbox 720, right? Yeah, and to me, it's like that's what I'm talking about. Like you know what you're doing, you're self-aware, or at least you're leaning into it. Here, they play it. The anime plays it straight, and to me, it's just like. Look how terrible like human beings are, or there's no hope in the world, or it's just I don't know, man. I mean, I would watch uh, uh, Last Hero, Inyashiki, Inyashiki. I keep mixing it up with the slice of life shit. Yeah, which is like the worst Yashike. Yeah, they're polar opposites. They're polar polar opposites. I would. I enjoyed that more. One's chill and healing. The other one is just blood and gore bang. and just yeah, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. So I I I won't keep berating and beating this dead horse. Um, it's just a very terrible, mediocre show in my opinion. And the fact that you didn't even finish it, I was suppose that you don't actually have a final score for it, right? Because you rarely ever rate anything that's dropped or incomplete. I mean, if I had to give you my gut reaction... First of all, I did not rate it, obviously, because yeah. I dropped it because I didn't finish it. But based on what I've watched, it was like a 5.5. It was... No, no, no. We need a Mal score. We don't need a Jason score. We need like a... If you if you were to lock this on Mal, is it more a 5 or a 6? Because hearing what you're saying, it sounds more like a 5. It is a 5. And even like with the, the good animation quality and the production quality, it probably wouldn't be able to push it up to a 6. Not in, not on my list. Yeah, I think also the fact you didn't finish it, like yep. that, that's already losing. It's some not points. worth yeah. my time to finish it. Right. Okay. On to my first uh, anime closet cleanup. Uh, I was going in order in terms of what I watched, and the first one I want to talk about is Akame ga Kill. So that's based on a completed manga series of the same name by Tetsuya Tashiro, who did the art, and Takahiro, who did the story. It does have an English publication by Yen Press. All in all, 15 volumes, 80 chapters. Now, this series was produced by Studio White Fox in the summer of 2014. So there's a there's, there's a little small snippet that we should probably include here as well, because if you are to get into Akimega Kill, this is something that you absolutely should know. For the most part, the anime is pretty much canon alongside the manga. However, at a certain point, 
there is going to be a deviation towards more anime original content. Uh, I think that basically they covered up to the first eight volumes of the manga, then they incorporated a couple of elements from the later volumes, but in general, it has a strictly sort of anime-only ending. Um, and there are also a few other plot points that happen uh, after that certain point where things are a little less manga, a little more anime original. I think there also is a prequel um, manga yes. called Comica Kill Zero. Yes, that, that is- follows the story of one of the main characters uh, in terms of you know their journey to becoming uh, essentially one of the main characters in the Akimika Kill series. There's also another manga called Akimika Kill 1.5. Which Wait, released, really? Yes. It was released as a uh, a one-shot. Not really a one-shot. It was just like a one-volume thing. It had four chapters in total. Like an interlude type thing. Yeah. And it came along with like some additional content to the manga as well as part of like a DVD slash Blu-ray release. So if you wanted more Akimika Kill stuff, then you could always you know read that and hopefully get some extra content. I think there's like an extra like 100 minutes worth of, of content for you to watch. I, I, I needed double check on uh, my anime list but the series is is very popular um and the sports so popular yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. like it's top 20 top 30 like ranked 29 the manga itself is a uh, no, 46 popularity is 29 uh, yeah popularity ranked 20 yeah um the the, the score ranking uh puts it at uh, however uh 1796 so very very different in terms of how it's ranked popularity wise and also in terms of score um it has two million members dude yep it's insane yep and i can see why i think that with this show okay first of all let's, let's get into this the the show starts off with your main character walking around and trying to get a job because he is he's just basically like if you imagine like an mmorpg or any kind of you know fantasy based role-playing game he is a a lone wolf just going around collecting bounties and doing odd jobs to be able to make ends meet. Uh, but of course, he gets swindled by a couple of bystanders because he's you know too trusting in the sense that he wants to basically he, he's 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 just some podunk kid. He's from like the boonies, wants to come into the city and essentially start his life and be able to get enough money to be able to save this village. And then whilst he's doing that, he then realizes that not everything is as rosy as he seems to think because of the fact that whilst he, you know, looks to be able to work with the side of justice and be able to make a good living, a good honest living and save his village... Turns out that actually there's a very dark underbelly towards this justice system that he's fighting for. And he comes across a bandit team called the Night Raid, uh, where they essentially go around and take out opposing political figures to be able to eradicate the world of corruption, of evil, and just complete like edgy, terrible shit. Um, so it's kind of like a role reversal kind of thing where the bad guys are actually the good guys, the Robin Hoods of anime and manga. So it is not an isekai, right? No. It is just more of a fantasy setting, like fantasy setting. Yeah, it's, 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 it's got a bit of both. I mean, you've watched it, right? I think I watched a long, long time ago such that I like delisted. A comic a kill. I mean, I did that at, at some point where I delist a bunch of shows. I think Spice and Wolf also, where I don't remember any of it anymore, such that I was like going to restart it. Yeah. Uh, I remember a certain, was it blue clothing person? There's, woman. A, there's a lot of blue. 
I mean, yeah. It's fine. I mean, like you can recollect, recollect your memories. I'll go over more about my thoughts on Alchemica Kill. Now, it was a full two curves, 24 episodes. I watched everything from beginning to end, um, including occasional openings and endings. I didn't really need to watch them all the time. But from a production standpoint, the series holds up pretty well. I mean, Studio White Fox does pretty good. Good work. I mean, I, I say that because White Fox also worked on Steinsgate. Um, but, uh, you know, Steinsgate, bias aside, I think that it presents itself well. Voice acting is done really, really well. And the music kind of mel- like melds well uh, with the overall presentation. The main thing I have an issue with, though, is the plot. Now, when it, t- when it comes to like shonen actions, most of the time, it's kind of the same recipe you need, you know, some real fucking like pumped up main character who wants to save the world and then he comes across friction and obstacles that stop him from being able to attain what he wants. And then you also have a band a, a team of, of 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 sidekicks and partners that essentially, you know, also show off their badassness, but they all have their own troubled pasts. And you come across a very, very tyrannical empire that just wants nothing more than you know, soak up all power and destroy everything in their way. So I remember uh, the character now, S Death or S Death, yeah. So she was the one that uh, was most memorable to me. Yeah, the and I think it's maybe because the fact that when I was looking up, I mean, it's no longer on Netflix now. It's on Hulu and I believe High Dive. Uh, we'll At least Netflix check. Hong Kong. Yeah. Right. Uh, I even checked Netflix US. It's not there either. Oh, damn. Um, so, yeah. Um, the one thing that uh, also came to mind immediately when watching this, because of the fact that whenever I was looking for I Could Make a Kill, and like, or no, at the time I was watching Kill a Kill, and the covers for Kill a Kill and I Could Make a Kill were very similar because two of the main characters from I Could Make a Kill looked very, very similar to the two main characters in Kill a Kill. I thought, for me, I made the same mistake, but with High School DxD. The boobs are very, very different in some uh, Yeah, true. But the main character, though, looks yeah. exactly yeah. the same. So I think that's basically where you know my general thoughts are in terms of how I feel about the show from like a presentation and plot standpoint. Well, maybe not the plot yet, but from a presentation standpoint, it looks a little bit generic. I mean, you're talking about characters that have superpowers, uh, that have different sort of, you know, power levels and whatnot. Um, a similar kind of character archetype per character in terms of, you know, you had your damsel in distress, you have your, you know, your your kid who wants to be great but hasn't been able to hasn't been able to attain that level of greatness yet and he has a bunch of senpais that teach him along the way, but they all somehow, you know, get, you know, destroyed or murdered because that's how, you know, these shows tend to go one thing i will say though is that in terms of it being an edgy show uh there is a gratuitous amount of violence um a lot of decapitation and disembowelments very very rough on the eyes in terms of if you're squeamish to blood or just you know pure violence in general so if you're into that kind of thing, and for me, like I, I, I like a good level of edge. It's, it's definitely something that you know, if it's done well, then it vibes with me. Um, and I'd say that it, it does it okay. It's not always super like well thought out in terms of where to place the edge or how much edginess they need. But I think it just 
it just does enough to be able to keep my attention throughout. Now, when I was talking about the plot, on the other hand, that's where I felt was probably its biggest detriment. And as I explained earlier, the fact that they managed to cram eight volumes of the manga into the anime before divulging into anime original content, I think that's where a lot of things just kind of got lost on the show. A lot of certain character stories and plot lines were either omitted or even rewritten to be able to fit the flow of how they wanted to end the anime. Um, The anime ending itself was also, eh, it was okay. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a dumpster fire. I mean, it's always been tough to be able to execute the perfect anime ending in general, but I felt that there were a couple of things that they could have really fleshed out more, um, simply because of the fact that when it came to learning about the characters and sort of developing uh, an affinity to them, uh, their screen time wasn't very much like long at all. I think it's a very brutal show, which means you would expect a lot of people to be killed off. And that's kind of where like my main complaint with the story is, where there wasn't enough time for me to actually develop much of a passion for any of the characters, where when they did die or when they did like just leave the party, then I just didn't feel like there was a hole in my heart because that character no longer exists. It right. just, just kept on moving forward and forward and forward. With right. It. It's kind of like, oh, let's who's next on the list of uh, standbys to insert into it's the It's basically anime. a Monster of the Week kind of show. Right. Yeah. I always remember one of the things about A Comic A Kill was back then when I first watched it, I was kind of into like, oh, it's just going to be plot armor. A main character syndrome is going to be invincible or the the main core group of people, like I think there's a, a yellow-haired Onesang. Uh, I think there's also, like, everyone's color-coordinated, as you would expect. And uh, I was just like, wow, people died by the bucket loads and truckloads that I thought could have technically been main characters or a core group. But, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's a, it's essentially a rinse and repeat. You like a character, they die off. They introduce a new character, they like them, they die off. Um, it's again, you're just basically seeing the main character or the main bad for like one or two episodes and then they move on to the next thing. And I think that's because of the fact that, you know, yes, it's 24 episodes, two curves, but to be able to cram eight volumes worth of manga into it is it's, it's a recipe for just cutting out some of the ingredients and just trying to get something on the plate. So we've seen plenty of series do that in terms of omitting certain plot lines, even certain like story arcs like Tokyo ghoul, like promised Neverland. Yeah. You're just naming stuff that I like and stuff that you're a hater for. Yeah. I I like both those shows. I mean, actually I I like, I like the manga a lot. I like the manga. But the enemies are trash. Well, the first season of promised Neverland, I think we all love. We all love it. And then they decided to just go a different direction and make something that was completely like not canon at all. Despite having sources. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they decided to do that. But back on to I can make a kill. Do you think at some point when they ran out of source material and then kind of had anime original content that there was a very distinctive point where you can kind of very confidently say, oh, this point onwards, it kind of went off the rails? It wasn't it's it wasn't as clear, but you could tell when things kind of just weren't as good. Like it that, got that's sloppy. It, I think it, it basically like you could tell when things were going off the rails when more and more people started dying. 
That's basically it. Because I think they just need it was a rush job. They just right, needed to right. be able to get something out and just, you know, oh, instead of fleshing out this character's backstory, we'll just kill them off. But we'll give them a good death and all that. So Well, are think, the deaths good then? Yeah, they're they're very good. Then there um, you go. I think but again, I think it's 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 a bit of a travesty to the I can make a kill like manga fans because of the fact that you know it's it, it's not a it's not a wholly faithful adaptation. I think for the most part it presents itself well, but if you wanted to see and get like the best I can make a kill experience, you probably want to go to the manga. Now that's not to say that the anime itself is 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 trash. In fact, there's got a, it's got a whole lot of elements that people would really like. I think I would have loved this if I was a teenager because it's got tits and ass, it's got lots of action, it's got Sentai. You actually have like Power Rangers in this series. You've what? got you've got kaiju. That sounds kind of you know? dope. Though. You've got a lot. You've got like magical curl elements in there too. What? Um, there's that edgy. You know, like whenever we're talking about like Ninja Scroll, you have like the edgy sort of like um, like samurai ninja. Like beneath the darkness, kind of assassinations, kind of thing. A lot of that happens too. So it's definitely got things that you know. If I was in my adolescence, I probably would have really, really bad with like this. If I mentioned the Jason as well, this is pretty much a teenage boy's wet dream. So similar to Batum, would you say that it has stood the test of time, uh, or is it more of like a legacy anime based on nostalgia, such that nowadays it wouldn't really hold up? I think the fact that I enjoyed watching it meant that, and this is just me, but I think that for others, um, you could potentially add this to your anime roster. You could potentially watch this in this day and age. It still looks quite nice, uh, despite it being a rather, not rather, but like a fairly old anime. Um, and I think that, you know, the the plot beats, if you ignored those and just watched the action and how it presents itself, then yeah, I think that you could definitely enjoy it nowadays. Now, that being said, I think because of the fact that the plot is rather weak um, and they also didn't give enough time to really sort of grow out the characters in the series, that it, when it comes to giving it a final score, I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's still a good show. It's still got elements that would be able to entice and interest people. I just think that at the end of it, you really need to figure out if you're just fine watching good action or if you need to have everything like done perfectly in terms of good character backstories, good plot lines, good progression of story. And if you're able to ignore the fact that there is a point when things get a little more anime original as opposed to manga source, that's basically it. But I, I would, I would give it a soft recommend. It's not the best show I've seen. Absolutely. But uh, it's definitely something that if you're looking just for some, you know, edgy action with some tits and ass, wonderful. Go ahead and check it out. All right. That sounds like a better endorsement of an edgy show than mine of Batum. Again, it's not like super edgy. It's just violent. I think there's like a difference. Yeah, I think that there are like a, a few edgy elements, but outside of that, I wouldn't divide. I wouldn't describe it as an edgy show. Right, I would like Elf and Lead is that, that's, that's that's edgy. Just, that's edgy. Yeah. That's very edgy. Yeah, not edgy. Although mm. depends on how you see things. Depends how you see things. So my next show actually my other three uh cleanups is actually rather positive and let's start with dance dance dancer my second of my cleanup picks this is probably the most recent anime of my cleanups of 
Spring 2022. It is based on the ongoing manga series of the same name by Asakura George, who did the story and the art. Um, there is no official English publication, unfortunately, so all we have is the anime. Produced by MAPPA has a mal anime score of 7.87, and uh, the manga source has a score of 7.60. So, Dance Dance Dancer is essentially about an, a guy who aspires to be a ballerina, who does ballet. Actually, it's not ballerina. Is it ballerina? A male ballerina. Yeah, correct. And due to certain circumstances that happen very early in his life, he decides to forego that dream and decides to pick up martial arts in order to kind of protect his family and also because he is seen as more manly rather than ballerina where there was like this when he was enrolling into ballet school there was an instance where he comes out of the ballet school after signing up runs into a bunch of his uh i guess grade school classmates and then kind of mocking baller like ballet as like not a manly thing whatsoever and they were like oh hey what are you doing here it's like oh nothing just in the area, I guess. Um, but then, at the end of the day, all he wants to do is be like Billy, Billy Elliot and just dance the fuck out of things. And uh, he gets dragged back into ballet. And uh, it's about his trials and tribulations in middle school, I think. It's a very good show. I think a lot of the highlights of it is definitely... Mid-season, there was a performance of Swan Lake. And I think Swan Lake is one of those pieces of work that gets probably mentioned throughout the season. And there is a lot of analogies, you know, kind of metaphors that is used throughout the, the series to kind of talk about certain characters and their interactions and their relationships with one another. Uh, but I also think that the shows has its flaws. Now, one of the things that I do have to commend was out of nowhere, Mappa was I was I think Will, when you first watched it, didn't you kind of think that it was kind of left field in terms of what Mappa was doing at that time? Because I think they were doing Attack on Titan, they had JJK, and then out of nowhere is like, yo. I mean they were also in the midst of producing Chainsaw Man too. Yeah, so I think it, so. I mean like in terms of like the most big named like AAA like productions, Dance Dance Dancer doesn't necessarily fit into that kind of group, but I I thought it was fine. Yeah, I, I mean I, the, I mean it just goes to show how big a studio Mappa is that they're able to work on these kinds of projects as opposed to just doing you know the JJKs and the Chainsaw Mans and whatnot. Yeah, and I think another well known show that is basically almost identical. In, in similar plot beats to Dance Dance Dancer is Welcome to the Ballroom. Now, I think personally Welcome to the Ballroom is a lot better. I think part of it is due to the fact that Welcome to the Ballroom is two curves, so it's like 20-something episodes, whereas Dance Dance Dancer is one season. And towards the end of the season finale of Dance Dance Dancer, there was a lot of moments that, to me, kind of fell short of my expectations, especially after the mid-season kind of uh, climax. 
But that being said, I think if you like Welcome to the Ballroom, if you like sort of performing arts, and one thing that I also really enjoy about the anime was that there was a moment that is in an assembly hall in in a gym and there was a moment where a, a, a main character kind of had to perform and it was extremely impactful to me and I think that there is a lot of backstory that even though they don't spend that much time on I can at least sympathize with the character's even though they were only given limited screen time. And it is, to me, a very good show given what the time that they had, as well as just kind of the topic, because it's not every day that you could convince a lot of people that ballet-oriented shows or performing art shows is one where it deserves your attention, but Dance Dance Dancer definitely deserves your attention. Right. Visually, how did it look for you? I think way, way, way back, we kind of mentioned the eyes shape or there was like this weird line that are in these characters. And I said at that time that it bothered me. Um, I got over that pretty quick uh, upon second viewing. And I just binged like the last eight episodes, like really like waiting to see how it ends, how it wraps up. And uh, despite not sticking the landing 100% of the way, it is definitely a show that if there was a second season, sign me right up. 8 out of 10. It's an 8.5 in my opinion, but 8 out of 10. I think the ending of season 1 kind of left a weird taste in my mouth, and it's kind of hard to go into that without saying spoilers. Right. So going into this, did you carry your Welcome to the Ballroom biases with you as well? I mean, absolutely, yeah. Right. So do you think that that would have just affected your appreciation for the series? Uh, potential. I mean, yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's no denying that for sure. I think I'm very biased towards Welcome to the Ballroom to such that, oh, I can see that this character is like that character. Oh, they're performing this. Oh, it's like that. Oh, it's kind of like this from Welcome to the Ballroom. It's kind of hard to remove myself when I put Welcome to the Ballroom in such high regards, in my opinion. Um I also think that certain character developments, plot beats are done way better in Welcome to the Ballroom. But I also think that Welcome to the Ballroom had more time, like double the amount of episodes. So it's kind of hard because if you were to say at episode 12, how would I feel about Welcome to the Ballroom? I will probably think Dance Dance Dancer did it way better because they knew their episode count beforehand. So yeah, I mean, I think Dance Dance Dancer, despite all that, is a really good show. Yeah. I think, I mean, Welcome to the Ballroom came out, like, way back as well, right? Compared In comparison to Welcome uh, Dance Dance Dancer. So if you were to compare it on a visual element... Mm, I, I think I know what you're saying. I think with Dance Dance Dancer, other than maybe uh, the Swan Lake performance in the middle of the season... And I don't think that's really spoiler to say because I don't really say anything more. Um, in Welcome to the Ballroom, they actually show you at some points full choreography. And that's not to say that um, Dance Dance Dancer doesn't have those elements, but they focus less on that. Yeah. And I also think that in certain cases, the main male character doesn't earn 
the reward that is given upon him, in my opinion, as well. Mm. And what do you mean by that? Uh, I think the season finale where there was a certain reward that was given and he had to sacrifice something. Again, I'm being cryptic, but I think, Will, you kind of know what I'm saying. Uh, there's There's a very, very poignant, impactful scene on a beach in that last episode that I kind of feel is... I feel conflicted about, especially with the main love interest. And uh, I personally do not agree with how certain things went down. But then again, uh, it only hampered a little bit of my overall enjoyment of the show. Right. I like that scene. So we're not, we're going to disagree on that then. Uh, no, I think the character, the, the main female character, I have a problem with how she was kind of dealing with issues and at the end of the day they're all like in middle school and high school i think that was one of the things that at first i was being very harsh on in my mind because you're an old man yeah and then i think back i was like dude when i was a fucking teenager i was a fucking punk ass bitch like i'm no like a lot of things that they deal with you know talent hard work coincidences luck family trauma and just some really heinous shit that should not happen to any individual. I never had to go through that, thankfully. And I don't know if I did go through that, if I would be as put together as these fictional characters, despite them being fictional. So after thinking about it, pondering it a bit more, I realized that it's not necessarily bad writing as much as it's just you writing. Maybe you not necessarily resonating with that character. Yeah. And also like, I don't have that personal context that maybe other people have or know more about, at least. But, yeah, but I feel like that, that that could be said about a lot of characters, too, right? Absolutely. Like you're, you're not going to be able to resonate with every character, but absolutely. I don't think that necessarily should detract on your appreciation for something overall. Or at least that's that, how cause, I cause, feel, Because that's the case, then that means there's a lot of shows where, like, I mean, have you been able to slay a dragon? Have you been able to travel time and all that? No, it, that, no. I, I think, like... If, if you try and sort of like contextualize it with real world terms, real life experiences, I think going into series, it can be hard for you to judge things a little bit more objectively. Now, that's not to say that like what you're feeling about these characters is wrong. It's just that how it's presented to you and that's how you choose to sort of mold your perspective on what this character stands for, what they do and whether you whether or not you like them or their choices. Well, that's very much, you know. Your own subjective opinions. Well. To to be fair, with you know your example of slaying a dragon or going back in time, I don't think there is hardly anybody that we know of definitely that we know of or anybody that would have had that personal experience. Okay, but I've definitely King s- Arthur from Fate Stay Night. Would sure, say of course, yeah. But um, the topics and the kind of themes that are in Dance Dance Dancer is definitely based in our everyday lives that yeah. happen to everyday people. Like this whole plot could itself be a real life story right. for somebody. So, yeah, exactly. So it does have more personal context, at least more connection to me, even though I haven't been directly impacted by such events. Whereas there is that belief and that there is no suspension of disbelief instead of like, oh, there is a dragon that I need to kill or go back in time to try to rectify my mistakes. You never know, man. It's 2023. Anything can happen. It, yeah. 
That is true. I can't deny that. The but, Ice Age could wipe out humanity except for you, and the only way for you to save humanity is to go back in time and slay a dragon. That that we I don't know how to feel about that, Will. Let's let's work on that as an isekai. Um so your final thoughts in terms of you know recommending it to people, it's that you said that it was definitely a recommend. Where does it stand in terms of a mal score for you? Eight out of ten. Cool. It would again eight point five technically, but uh, it's an eight out of ten. Now, Did you give you, it a nine? I, I give it a nine. Right. Because I, I think that in terms of like me, not necessarily. I mean, like I haven't been to ballet school, but my sister has, right. and she has told me many, many times how brutal being in a ballet school is. It's not just in terms of the pressures of having to perform well. It's also the exceedingly high expectations of the teachers that you're working with and the fact that for them, in their eyes, again, it's all subjectivity. Whether or not you have a dancer's body, a dancer's moves, a dancer's mentality, that's different amongst everybody. But because of the fact that there is a coalition, there is an association in terms of the standard that a a ballerina needs to meet in order to become the very, very best... I think that from my sister's perspective, um, it's it's just too gruesome, brutal. Like I mean, it makes sense. Like in, in, in any sort of facet, though, whether you want to be an athlete or you want to be a software programmer, or you want to be a, a scientist, you have to go through really grueling, grueling trials to be able to ascend to the top. And it's not always going to be cut out for you, even if you try your very, very best. Yeah, I think there are two instances in the show that, are not necessarily uh, brushed off, but were kind of mentioned in brief that when I thought about it some more was like, that shit is intense, competitive, cutthroat. The first thing is, oh, why can't you do this like jumping, you know, this ballerina jump? And the answer, I think several times given by different characters was like, oh, it will stunt my growth. Do you remember that one scene where like the main character gets brought into a room and then they close the door and then they turn on the lights? And then he realizes, oh, fuck, I'm not special at all. Yep. And then uh, the main uh, sensei for the like for the for the main character was kind of like, oh, your foot like shape and configuration is very slender, long and is very uh, indicative of like a what you have for a good ballerina. And people were like, yeah, but what about talent? What about my height? And they were like. Oh, you're not gonna make it. Like, yeah. I even if you put in all the time, twenty four hours, you're not gonna make it, son. And I'm just like, damn, that that's some harsh shit. And then the second thing was kind of just it. It is like you got to start at ten or something. Like they mentioned, like oh, the main uh, male character got into ballet. Like obviously, I think within the anime was like three months in or several months in. And you hear constantly is like, oh, he's been practicing since he was 10. And if you did not practice then, you'll never make it pro. And it's just like, you're telling all these young kids, essentially like grown up shit that they have to make where it's like, they probably don't know the ramifications and the choices that were made for them or to them. And I'm just like, damn, that reminds me when I used to figure skate and shit. And I was just like, damn, that's fucked up, bro. Like you've had some personal experience, maybe not in terms of like being a ballerina, but as being like a figure skater. Yeah, and I got pretty far, and even I had moments where I was just like, "Oh, there's no way I could do this." When X person is way more intense about it, way more passionate. Like, who am I to try to think I deserve 
any more than this person who puts in a thousand and ten percent. Yeah, there's a difference between recognizing you have talent and also recognizing that like there's a whole lot more talent out there besides you. And sometimes when you do have all that stuff, you could still quote unquote lose in the end, or 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 or, or for whatever reason, right? And it's just not fair, but that's the way it is. And I'm like, damn, son, reality I mean, check. I mean, that's shit. why like sports psychology is becoming more and more a thing because it doesn't matter how fine tuned your body is; it's it's your brain that controls everything, and yeah. that includes your emotions too. Yeah, you could be like the best trained mindset athlete, and then all of a sudden on game day, something changes out of nowhere. Maybe not even your fault or whoever it is, and even that like, completely it, throws you off your game. Like it rocks your world. Yeah. So. I think it's a very, very good anime. I really do. I just don't think it is as good as Welcome to the Ballroom, but it has extremely similar themes and character studies such that I was like, damn, I if there was a second season, fucking let's go. Yeah. So for the people who have watched Welcome to the Ballroom, would you then say, hey, you know what? It might not be quite the same thing, but should totally check out Dance Dance Dancer? A hundred percent. I, I think there's not a lot of performing arts. I think when I Googled it, the only other like ballet-oriented show would be, I think, Princess Tutu, which was like ancient. Yeah. And then if you consider like Yuri on Ice for figure skating. Super, super popular. Yeah, there's not a lot of very those types of dancing choreography shows that are done in such a, I would say, even more of like a seinen way, you know? Where it's not just, oh, look at pretty boys or pretty girls doing shit. And see how well they can dance and do ballet. But it's also like, man, these people are emotionally destroyed. You have no idea if they're able to actually meet their own expectations, let alone someone else's. I have to say that mid-season performance, holy shit, it was so good. And then the assembly that I think happened either after or before it, I was just like, this is fucking pinnacle of just performing arts anime shows yeah well believe it or not this is not the only performing arts series that we'll be talking about but we are going to be going into a break afterwards we'll be finishing up our closet cleanup picks and then maybe rambling about what we're going to be talking about for the upcoming episodes including i guess if we've got time to figure it out what we're going to be going over for closet cleanup six so without further ado we'll go on a break Catch you all later. We are back with the second half of today's episode for the Good Anime Palette podcast. Um, the, oh, man. It was really hard to try and stay awake earlier because of how much food we ate, but not to mention how fucking hot it is in Hong Kong. I don't. I hope it's not as hot as wherever you guys are, especially here in Australia. It's going to be much, much cooler. But um, we'll do the best we can to cool down. Jason's here with me. He's also suffering from a, a slight pizza coma. Um, but you were smart. You didn't eat the donuts afterwards, so you're not as... I was uh, nutted up like me. You're a donut. Yeah, you're a nut. Oh, we're so childish. Okay, all right. So we are going and to... And we are in our yeah adult life, guys. We're deeply entrenched in our adult phase now. This is our adult arc, and we're 
We're really not doing very well with it. No redemption here. No, not at all. Um, but, uh, you know, things got to keep moving the way they're supposed to go. So on to the second half. We're going to be going over the rest of our cleanups, starting with myself. Uh, so after I talked about... Okay, I mean, you look, you look pretty fine and dandy. You I think... Yeah, well, in in terms of you know, if I was to watch and review myself, I give myself um, you know, seven point seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Oh, come on, I'm good. It's, it's I'm, I'm eight. I'm, come on, I'm, eight. I'm good, but eight, not great. Good, but eight not great. out of ten, man. Oh, fluffy. Um, I think you know, appearance wise, good. Plot wise, not that great. <laughs> well, the anime adaptation is a lot of room to be desired. We only but... have the live adaptation to go with at the the live source to go with at the moment. So. Yeah, so now that we have cleaned up our act and our energy levels, we like will continue like on with our cleanup picks. Will, which of the other two cleanup picks you're going to go next? So in second of the order for my uh, cleanup watch list was Shoujo Kageki Review Starlights. Uh, again, I'm going to refer to it as Review Starlight. Um, as will I, yeah. yeah just because it was the way that it's been written down on the Wikipedia entry. and Yo, You missed a star. Uh, Shogo, Shogeki. No, Shoujo. Oh, no. Um, okay, I'm, I'm thinking Food Wars now. <laughs> yeah, Shoujo Star Kageki Review Starlights. Um, so this is a relatively new anime series. Came out in 2018, I believe. Summer 2018. Anime original. Um, so we haven't had a lot of those recently uh, on this podcast. Uh, this was a anime that was produced by Kinema Citrus of Maiden Abyss fame, as well as uh, Shul Hero. Um, we're not going to be talking about those two. Uh, we're going to be talking about Review Starlight. Now, there was a finale movie that came out fairly recently, though it would have been released earlier had it not been for COVID. Um, there are a lot of sort of government lockdowns and uh, emergencies, state of emergencies in uh, in Japan. So things get, kept being pushed back. Um, the finale movie itself was finally released first in Japan in 2021. And for the rest of the world, it only aired last year, which I believe Jason has watched. Jason's a very, very big Review Starlight fan. So what the hell is Review Starlight all about? It's a sort of weird performing arts magical school girl kind of series where a bunch an ensemble cast of uh, young school girls essentially tried to do their best to get lead roles in the next starlight uh, performance um, they go through different auditions they do a lot of training a lot of practice uh, just to refine their moves and that's about it really except it's not just simply a performing arts show. There's also a a tournament arc of sorts. It's and, uh, it's really really weird. And Jeffrey the giraffe shows up. Yeah, some fucking giraffe shows up. Um, uh, I just want to clarify that the school is actually like dedicated to like acting and the arts. Yeah, it's got the Seisho Music academy and every year they have the seisho festival which is like the starlight kind of thing um and uh this is the class that we're in right now is the 99th class and uh everything that they do within the show is to prepare all the students to essentially allocate their positions who's going to take the lead role who will be supporting characters who's not going to make the cut and not be in the channel the show of the year as well the only thing that else that i can really comment on without going crazy into spoilers and or just how preposterous the plot line is is that it is about 
kageki, which is a type of performance that is very akin to female uh, performers. I think、um, kageki shoujo is basically、yeah. along the same lines of that type of school and arts and performing arts. Yep. Kageki shoujo is a different、uh, seasonal. I think that one was also an original. No, no, it's on、um, based on a manga. Based on a manga, yeah. Okay, so that one Jason's also watched,、um, but that's why we're loved calling, it. Yeah, that's why we're calling this specific one Review Starlight because it's very easy to mix up shoujo kageki and kageki shoujo.、Um, now, this is in accordance to what's on the plot synopsis on my anime list, so it's not necessarily a spoiler.、Uh, the main character, Karen. Um, decides to look after <laughs> what her, a name, yeah, by the way. Look after one of her、uh, her classmates slash friends, and essentially wanders around town until she comes across a random elevator in Tokyo Tower. Presses a button, and all of a sudden she gets transported, not isekai style, but literally physically into a battleground where she finally realizes. What the hell the students have to do to be able to ascend the throne and get to the number one spot to take the lead role for the Seisha Festival every single year? They essentially just like what's 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 really cool is that they have these specific transformation animations, not like Sailor Moon, like Magical Curl style, but instead it's a lot of molten metal and turning gears and. Like a lot of animatronic robots, just basically like printing out and pumping out buttons and sleeves and whatnot to create the uniforms, the costumes that the schoolgirls are going to be used for their kakeki performances.、Uh, so this is obviously a a very different kind of performing arts anime. Will is not pulling your leg or lying or exaggerating. It may sound like ramblings of a madman, but that is. Actually, literally,、that's、some weird, crazy fever dream, right?、It's、yeah, like, no, but because that's the tip of the iceberg, in my opinion, of just the weirdness. Yeah. So, of course, when it comes to talking about this particular series, when it comes to talking about performing arts in general, we also have to talk about the music.、Mm-hmm. Now, I think the music is one of the fortes of the series, as you would expect, but it's also worth paying homage. Uh, and you know, give credits to Tatsuya Kato, who is the music composer for this series. He's worked on a bunch of other stuff, like Free. He's worked on a bunch of Fate Stay, not Fate Stay Night,、uh, uh, Food Wars. He worked on Food Wars as well. A lot of big productions. He's a very big time music composer. His 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 list of accolades as well as works, his biography,、uh, bibliography is 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 fucking massive. So if you ever see his name attached to a property, you're pretty much guaranteed to have good music composition. Whatever you watch,、um, Kinema Sutras as well. Great studio.、Um, I think that in terms of the aesthetic, definitely matches up with the music. It's definitely a very, very good visual and audio experience,、uh, oral experience actually.、Um, I, I, I can't really knock them back on either of those aspects. I think that when it comes to the composition of the Character animations and the character designs, along with matching like the costume designs they have and the overlaying music that goes along with their performances. Not to mention the lyrics they use for all the performances as well. It all comes together to be a very nicely presentable performing arts anime. Now, here are a few reasons as to why there were a couple of disconnecting moments for me with this particular series. The main one, which was for me the biggest outlier, the plot. 
as much as I loved how ambitious this series was, I felt that because of the fact that you didn't have a whole lot to work with. We've talked about how like if you only have a cur, there's only so much you can do. You have like two curs, like 23 to maybe 25 or 26 episodes. You have a lot more time to flesh things out. But the way that Kakeki, no, Kakeki Shoujo, yeah, no, Shoujo Kakeki, Review Starlight, the way that it paces itself out, it's each episode being kind of standalone. You follow the story of one character, next one being another character, next one maybe a duo. Maybe there's more uh, encapsulation of all the other students in another episode. Then you have like one or two episodes that kind of overrun over each other so that it's a longer sort of story. But generally, there is like a, a main focal point, a main focus uh, within each episode. And whilst it's great because you get to see an eclectic mix of performances, you get to see each character kind of really shine, literally like a starlight. Um, I also felt that because of the fact that you had almost like a Monster of the Week kind of feel with it, it was really hard to build up much rapport with each character. I felt at times I was kind of confusing myself with one character for another just because there were some character designs that were a little bit similar to others um the only thing that differentiated them was literally their voices and the names uh and then there were also times when like you just see a character go through an arc and because of how short 25 minutes is like it's not really enough to build out a full backstory for each character now the other thing in terms of the plot itself was i I, I like the the risk that they took in terms of creating something that was not very standard within this particular medium, within this particular genre. I think that when you have a fresh sort of approach to doing a performing arts anime and also implementing legitimately like battle royale slash tournament arc components into it, you're going to, one, run into a lot of sort of creative complications and i think a lot of them they kind of adapted well and overcame but there were also times where i was just like man I, I really wish they actually played this part of the plot a little bit longer actually flesh it out and give more background to it so that when you actually start seeing more and more character developments it matches up well and it would be a little bit more satisfying to see um, that that would be like the main sort of criticism that I have. It by all means is not a bad show. It is actually a very good show. I just think that for me personally, it was really hard to connect with the characters because there were so many of them, and not a lot of them shared a whole lot of screen time. And even when you did find which ones were the main characters of focus, it just seemed that that the story needed to keep being pushed along, and so you didn't have as much time to really sort of mold your 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 feelings and your passions and maybe even your pities towards certain characters now the battle royale part is kind of interesting and i think is one of the things where as an anime versus you know for example a manga or a live action the it shines as an anime because the set pieces the battle royale parts are like these grand stages. It's not like in an arena where they fight. There are those moments, but like the stage transforms. There's like different levels. You have different animatronics that legitimately light up canvases. Like it's yeah. very fictional. Like it, impossible in real life unless if you have like... It would look janky if you did a live action. Yeah, like you for would, sure. Be, you, you would lose that sense of immersion. Whereas this is like, it's the perfect medium to try this kind of ambitious story. 
Um, and I applaud them for you know trying to take it to that level. I just think that because they were you know really focusing on pushing that element, that other elements kind of got left by the wayside, and it does you know cost them in terms of my final score. But this is by no means a a bad series. I also think that what you said about like if we exclude like the because they their performing arts during the battle royale stuff is literally like idol singing level of intricacy and lyrics where it matters in terms of what is going on with the plot but it is very much like a uh like a dungeon crawler or like a video game where if you outside of the quote-unquote battles the slice of life aspect the character interactions are super kind of not really of any note okay this person and this person has this relationship Okay, that's that's really all you need to know. Oh, the red hair. Yeah. The the blue hair. What weapon does she use? Oh, okay. Oh, I I wonder why these two characters have such a strong rivalry, but they also have like, despite the tension, a good level of chemistry when on stage together. Oh, Claudia and Tendo. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, there's, this, there's also this other girl that is you know very much you know a fly on the wall, which I also thought her name was fucking fantastic. Die banana. Nana. Yeah. Die, yeah. Yeah. Die banana. Hmm. And episode seven was dedicated to her. Yeah, there's a. There, I mean, there's a couple of episodes dedicated for every character, and that's the thing as well. I think it's just because of the fact that every character themselves has their own reasons to be at this school and also try and fight for the number one spot to take the lead. It then kind of gets to the point where, like, okay, so this character wants to be the lead and that character wants to be the lead and this character wants to be the lead and each episode seems to showcase what each character's sense of purpose and their journey, uh, how how that all transpires. I think with this particular series, you really do have to watch it from beginning to end and not cut up midway because a lot of the stuff that you'll watch, particularly in the first half, will not make sense unless you watch the rest of it. And it's not a hard watch. It's 12 episodes not very long if you don't times two speed or if you you know like me you just cut out the well it's actually kind of bad to cut the openings and endings because they're actually quite significant in terms of not just the music but also what happens in those opening and ending sequences so it's about what three four hours to watch the whole thing it's, it's not a, it's not it's not a bad thing to spend your time with as well i'll say yeah and to be fair I think I personally gave it a 9 out of 10, but I think a lot of enjoyment came out of the discovery, especially the first episode. I think when I did not know anything, it was an anime original, and I was watching it every week. That first episode was the biggest what-the-fuck-am-I-watching type moment because they split it, the first episode, into like three distinct parts where it's like one thing... At one point, oh, it's just a slice of life artsy thing. Wait a minute, what's this elevator? What? Why is there like a transformation sequence? Why are they fighting? Why is Ken Suda here? Oh yeah, why is there uh, singing with lyrics all over the place? But there's also intricate sword play going on and choreography, and then position zero is a factor, I suppose. So and then there's a board that shows the rankings of all the students there too, like old school, like airplane, yeah. like shuffling of the of the positions and, and the arrows of showing whether you're ascending, descending, or or lying flat. Yeah, and when the characters they quote unquote die is like the most melodramatic end pose, and then the curtains 
close, literally the curtains close, and then that's the end of that episode. Yeah. And you get the Kensuda giraffe narrates it. What I will say, though, is the sequel movie, which I'm not saying you need to watch it, Will, or anyone needs to watch it. It's an 8.55, ranked 100 on my anime list. I watched it with a friend, and we both ended up giving it 10 out out of 10 and addresses a lot of resolution and issues that even we had with the first movie. I mean, the first... uh, The original adaptation. Yeah. And I think that's basically the motivation for wanting to start this, where it's like... You 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 go through the first Kerr, the only Kerr, watch it, you watch the, the finale movie, and that might give you the sense of closure that you need. It's a clan ad. Yes, you know, I, yeah. I, I do believe that whereas like after story is where everyone gushes, but you have to watch clan ad first. Which is two Kerrs. And uh, and even I you would say that a lot of people would not No. Like, it, it, plan like for me, like if it wasn't for the fact that we were doing a, like an actual episode analysis on the studio behind Clanad, then I wouldn't have checked it out. Right, Kiona Animation for sure, like they did a great job, but I still wouldn't have gone through Clanad if I didn't need to. But I'm glad that I did. This is not a similar case. I think it's like the, literally the, the the outlay is not that crazy. Right, one cur plus a movie is literally just you know. It, it's it's a regular ass like extra value meal. You get your main, your side. That's it, right? So I I wouldn't say it was my favorite. I wouldn't say it's the worst. I think it's it's very middle of the road for me, and it's more because of the fact that this might be just be me being picky, but the fact that I wasn't all that encapsulated by the plot, and therefore that sort of detracted my appreciation for a lot of the characters. Um, in the story, I I ended up giving it a seven out of ten. I understand. I, I think no, 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 it's, like... it's still a it's still a good series. In fact, I would say it's a very good series if you were to focus on the performances themselves and also the moments in between that got characters to that point in the first place. I think that, however, because they place a lot of importance on that second part, which is talking about plot synopsis, character developments, and all that. And how I felt it was somewhat lacking, um, that's what dropped the points for me. No, no, I think that criticism, that comment is extremely valid. And I perfectly, in fact, I would 100% agree. To me, it's almost like watching uh, uh, a ballet performance, right? Going off of Dance, Dance, Dancer. Whereas, like, I don't need to know what Swan Lake or the Nutcracker is about. But I can at least see that the performance, the dancers, the choreography is, like, worthy. But I wouldn't go, like, oh, Swan Lake is, like, this crazy, ingenious adaptation that this troupe did that another troupe would do any different. Yeah. So I do agree heavily. Um, I want to ask, so... All the characters are, with the exception of, I guess, a male giraffe, are all females. Yep. There is a heavy, heavy emphasis on girl love Yuri stuff. Bait. It's essentially Yuri bait. Yes. Um, it's what... not full blown Yuri because it's like there's like w- w- as as the as the series develops, and this is it, this really shouldn't be like the main focus, but I do get that for some people this might be something that 
interests them in the first place. You kind of start off with characters that are a little bit more ambiguous on that spectrum, I suppose, where you're like, maybe, maybe not Yuri. And then there's progression in certain characters where it's like, okay, no, these people are very likely or definitely Yuri, but it's never undeniably Yuri. It never gets to that point where you're like, this is a full-blown Yuri series. And I don't think that the series portrays it that way. I think rather it uses it as an element to sort of display emotion and despair and relationships between one another. Absolutely. Uh, the sequel movie would address your question. Okay, all right. But, but, but does that mean you have to watch it? Again, no. Uh, I also think that uh, the car in... To be fair, mm-hmm. though, it's like when, when you see a whole like point above the original adaptation, right? It's a 7.67 for the uh, anime adaptation, but like an 8.55 for the movie. That's that's big. That's not something you can just like ignore and scoff at, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't. Yeah, you watched it with a friend. I, I mean, like, will I watch it? Maybe, maybe not. But, I'll watch it but, with you. But at least I know that, like, if I need something, like, answered, I need some clarifications and some some errors fixed from the main series, and at least from, from, from Jason's standpoint, it does address them, then, hey, look, if I watch it, I'm sure I'll have a good time. I think of all of the anime, like, I guess, spinoff finale movies, uh, the Review Starlight finale movie is two hours of 10 out of 10 in my opinion. Um, even the credits. Yeah, they definitely... Even the rolling credits at the end where they write down all the producers and the animators and whatnot. Like you just clap. You you, were, you basically did like a, a movie festival thing. Just, just stood up and clapped. Well, it was just the two minutes. of us. But yeah, um, it was great. Uh, I will also say that some of the characters are more bland than others. And one that is, I think, particularly egregious, even in the sequel movie is Karen's counterpart, which is uh, Hikari. Hikari. And she is kind of supposed to be this brooding, complex character with kind of this mysterious past and a promise that was made with Karen she can't really remember. And unfortunately, as essentially the the other main character of, of course, the whole troupe, the whole collection of casts, she is... And Karen are essentially the main duo. Yep. I think Hikari is like... The weakest link. So hollow. Even in the movie. Yeah. Oof. But that wasn't enough to knock down your 10 out of 10. Like Everything else was so good that it just had to be a 10 out of 10. Because Tendo and Claudia and Nana and... Oh, shit. What what was the bookworm? Oh, I I don't know. Then there was the the girl that actually likes Karen... And then there is the, the biker. Red, there's the red hair, blue girl. Like the red hair one's the the biker. The biker, yeah. yeah. Then the one that uh, always sleeping is the blue haired one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's basically you know pick your favorite girl. You know it's they're that, all my favorite. Yeah, well, I mean except for Hikari. I mean she. I mean you you she's, ha- your, she's the stepdaughter. No, you have like when you have a. S- a lot of children, right? You have your favorite one, and then you have the black sheep, right? Well, you have like nine favorites and one black sheep. I mean, I don't have nine kids that I know of, Will. Okay. <laughs> so that is the end of our tentative review for cleanup for Shoju Geki Review Starlight. I am going to go from the stars, because they moonlight as uh, tournament arc people. 
Will, did you get that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, 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 uh. Not as good, but I like. I appreciate you were trying to try to work on something there. So instead of reaching for the stars, we are now gonna go straight into the toilet for toilet-bound Hanako-kun. Uh, to be fair, that's actually the name, toilet-bound Hanako-kun, and it is not a shitty anime, although it is not without its flaws. It is based on the ongoing manga series of the same name by Iro Aida, who did the story and the art published digitally in English by Yen Press, and also on Square Enix's at Manga Up, premiered in winter 2020 by Studio Lurch. Anime has a mouse score of 7.84. I thought we were, were going to, you know, from now on, just pronounce it as Lachey. 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 You know, I, I have... I, 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 With your my, pinky up, is Lachey? My, my French is terrible. Like, my pronunciation is terrible in general. So when you add, like, European languages on top of that... C'est un bon anime? So, the <laughs> manga source has a mouse score of 8.58, rank 94, popularity 118. I think it might be the first that we had that has a manga that's in the top 100. We had one that was, like I think, on the border of 100. I, mean, I can look through. In terms of rank? Uh, in terms, yeah, there's the rank. What about Alol in the Sea? Uh, that one doesn't have a manga. Alol in the Sea is an original. Oh, shit. Then what was I thinking of? Children of the Whales was what I was thinking of. I always get that mixed up for some reason. Mm. Okay. Um, Toilet-bound Hanako-kun is about... I would assume a toilet and a kid named Hanako-kun, right? So this is... In order to really explain yokais and ghosts and spirits that takes place in this school that uh, Nene is our main heroine and she is a student at the school, there are what they call the seven wonders of the school, kind of like superstitions, how you would hear a rumor of like, oh, there is, a, in this case, a girl, because originally Hanako is a very common folklore superstitious tale of, oh, if you go to a bathroom or somewhere, knock and ask for this person. It's like Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Um, or it's like you go to a mirror and you go, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Yeah? Right. Yeah, like that. Uh, Hanako would show up, grant you a wish, but then in exchange would take something of equivalent nature. Law of equivalent exchange. Clearly likes Full Metal Alchemist. It's like uh, Hell Girl, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you will be damned to hell, I guess. But in this it, case... It was called Jigoku Shoujo. The Japanese name was it, right? Because Jigoku would be hell and yeah. Shoujo would be girl. Yeah. Not Joshi Raku. No. Um, it's not a paradise. Yeah. So, similarly, Hanako turns out to not be a girl in this case. It's a dude. And he does live in the bathroom stall of the female bathroom that Nene unbeknownst to her, summons him. And then, essentially, she, long story short, becomes his assistant, human assistant, in order to deal with these oddities that show up, like Monogatari style, except there are these seven rumors. There's a villain involved, antagonists, exorcists. I mean, like, Nene also has like her own sort of like schoolgirl problems too, right? Like, yeah. Like finding a boyfriend. Yes, and that's her main motivation to find Hanako-kun in the first place. Um, here's the thing, Will. Yeah, this is an absurd series. This sounds wacky as shit. But 
it it should be good, right? Usually, the wackier the story, the 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 greater the experience is. Imagine Tim Burton, The Nightmare Before Christmas, but everything is chibi. And sets place in like feudal Japan, not feudal Japan, but like so it's spirited away then, kinda, but in a school, and it's kind of funny. Actually, it's very funny, and it's very heartwarming to a certain extent, despite the fact that you're talking about oddities, despite the art style looking very cartoony, very unbelievable in terms of it looking quote unquote realistic in that in traditional anime sense. But the comedy beats hit very well, and they deal with what it means when, because similarly with a lot of yokai and oddities, if you also, for example, would read like American Gods by Neil Gaiman, when these spirits or oddities lose significance in terms of rumors and superstitions are not being mentioned, I think that's a very common kind of currency that all these spirits use. If you don't talk about them, there's no faith in uh, the these oddities that perpetuate their existence, they disappear. And it talks about how rumors can change the dynamics of yokai being hostile and violent and eventually hurt people. Hence, Hanako needs Nene's help in the human realm because he can't do anything. And mix in with a kind of a love story, mix in with a little bit of conspiracy... And quite a lot of comedy, and you get Toilet Bound Hanako-kun. Right. Now, before we get into like your likes and dislikes of Toilet Bound uh, Hanako-kun, whenever we talk about series that are entrenched in Japanese folklore, uh, spiritual stories, yokai, and stuff like that, we usually kind of give like a mini disclaimer in that like maybe you should know about them, or if you don't know about them, then maybe your experience is kind of de- detached a little bit. Is there that kind of element in this where like you need to know about the yokai stories or is it presented in a way that knowledge of that stuff is secondary? You should really just destroy what's on the screen. Yeah, there is really no need to know any sort of very quote-unquote well-known spirits or Japanese folklore yokai story tales, ghost stories. But it's very easy to understand because, oh, what do young kids do? They spread superstitions and rumors around because, oh, do you know, like, oh, if you've got cooties and I got cooties or whatever, you know, oh, if I, whatever, if you kiss underneath this tree, you'll, you'll, you'll be together forever type or like, shit. If you stick, if you stick your tongue out and the wind blows, your tongue will be stuck that way for the rest of your life. That goes, those kinds of like weird, like urban legends that like kids. Exactly. Grow up I think knowing. urban legends. Yeah. That's the term that I was kind of trying to piece together in my mind. Mm. However, will, um, don't ever wet your finger and touch an electric socket. Okay. Or, you know, grab a 9-volt battery and lick it. Yeah. On the, t- like, the, yeah. Have um, you ever done that before? 9-volt battery? For science? Yeah, for science, for research. Yeah, it's, it's not like I was being an idiot and fell for it with my friends, and then they all laughed at me. And then, I mean, scientists can be idiots, too. Yeah, and then I threw said battery, allegedly, at them, and then had detention <laughs> oh. together. Oh, where we had to write on the board like 500 times. Wow, but you literally did the, if I'm going down, I'm bringing you with me Like move. the Bart Simpsons, like, yo, we're in this together breakfast club style, yeah. except um, we didn't really bond as much as just went out and played soccer afterwards. Right, okay. But on to Hanako-kun. So, you yeah, mentioned... Yeah, you don't need to know about yeah. 
anything ghost stories because the concept of oh superstitions and rumors and urban legends at a school where everyone likes to talk about secrets or, or did you know this and that makes sense and the spiritual element even though it plays a huge role supernatural plays a huge theme it's very easy to understand now is it very clear cut for you in terms of your likes and dislikes of Hanako-kun like what 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 were the things that really stood out for you that made you think oh, okay no this is a good series and maybe there were, were there things that you were like you know what that didn't get pulled off very well I'm gonna have to dock a couple points off this the thing that I found very interesting is that there is a new story that we might have report on. Yeah, this came out about seven months ago about the anime series, uh, the, the original source, the manga. Um, the people have come out and said, you know what, we're going to start from the beginning and restart Hanako-kun's story all over again for the anime adaptation. Yeah, and the, the, the point to emphasize here is they use the word restart. It is not remake or whatever, it's restart. And the trailer that was released, you know, in December of 2022 shows the exact same art style, which leads me to believe it's also done by the same studio. And everyone is reprising the roles. But then I was like, why is it a restart? Because the story actually, even though it's one season, was told in a pretty complete fashion. Okay, it ends it on like, you know, Will, the typical anime of because we don't know if there is another season uh, the place that we end on is essentially the place where we started, but then everyone has grown and learned stuff along the way. But it's like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, you know, well, even though you say that, though, but it's like you might be thinking, well, maybe they're just giving it a refresh, like kind of treatment. But this only came out in 2020. Yeah. So, so like three years on, I'm sure like time hasn't moved that much where you need to start from scratch and do it all over again. And the manga is ongoing. Yeah. So. Of course, I have not talked about the anime itself in terms of how this factors in, except it then, when you when you hear all this background into this, and it adds that context of, oh, wow, it was kind of rushed. Or maybe, they, yeah, they, maybe there were certain elements that were cut out to be able to fit it into the anime season. Right, because the seven wonders of the school obviously show up, but some mysteriously were offed or disappeared or omitted, they admit that they're there, kind of, and then I'm guessing that there's a lot more interactions. Maybe something that's a little bit more faithful to the original source. Right, just because they have to cut out or because at that time there wasn't a lot of manga to adapt or they didn't know. I mean, there are so many things. Even the main antagonist is not an antagonist or a villain per se. It's a, So it's like it's one of those gray areas. Like I'm not necessarily a clear bad person, but I am like your rival org against you and to dis- to really distill that in like a couple episodes is such a hard thing to do yeah well i mean it's it only occur right that you do you enjoy watching that full series were there were there moments that they're like stand out for you imagine or it, not, maybe not moments like elements like was the comedy done well extremely or, well i cannot believe that the comedy was as good as it is because it is like the Powerpuff Girls, Panty and Stocking, Garter Belt type aesthetic mm. in t- art style, but mixed with Tim Burton dark humor. Like, oh, I, sta- I, I stab someone accidentally and blood is squirting out and everyone is kind of like freaking dumbfounded, out, yeah. but not like freaking out like, oh, the world is ending, you're really going to die, but kind of play it for laughs. And surprisingly, everything works out. 
it does go by monster of the week type thing in terms of okay the seven wonders okay we kind of have to handle each one as we go and literally spirit of the week in many ways and then some are two episodes and then obviously there's the finale that kind of resolves everything however it was done in such a way that each iteration monster of the week type stuff spirit of the week type stuff adds on to the dynamics of the characters that have already been introduced so it's all sort of like building up pretty methodically throughout the season yep and of course it's not spoilery to say that there are some sort of romantic developments between Nene and Hanako-kun and whether or not it comes to fruition or not hey you're gonna have to watch it to find out right so some like romantic subtext there yep not not super overt but you you can kind of get the gist of what's going on between two opposite gender characters yes I mean the even the music is very like you know that organ like church yeah yeah, yeah. it's like symphony of the night Castlevania type Mm -hmm. style the whole aesthetic is very much like Halloween-esque in terms of like the holiday Halloween, not the horror movie Halloween, but played for laughs and very entertaining, very fun. Seven, I mean, eight out of 10, I think. Well, lo- what could have it done better? Because you mentioned that there were, it could have been maybe a rush job. And were like, you, were, you, you, you were very aware that despite there being seven wonders or, or seven elements in this series and not all of them were talked about, some were omitted, do you think maybe like if you were to watch this restart that it might be an improved experience? Or at least that's what, that's what the hope is? So I don't know what is in the manga because obviously yeah, I have not yeah. read it and it's ongoing. So how can you end when something is ongoing or you're going to have to somehow find a good like stop point? Or you do like the original film alchemist you do the alchemical kill and you just do some original shit or hey uh they all graduated to go i guess to another school where there's another audit i don't don't fucking know but um clearly and again it was so i did not even notice that it was gone or there were things that were missing until i searched the mal forums and then see all these news stories on anime news network and all these people saying oh the manga they left out so much stuff. I don't know what those stuff are because I didn't want to get spoiled. But then I was like, oh, wow. It incepted in me like that makes sense because they didn't say this part. They kind of skipped over there. But on like initial inspection, like it was pretty easy to gloss over. Unlike, for example, me watching Akimaka Kill and kind of knowing at which point that the anime original stuff was kicking in. Right. It's like me telling you like, oh, you have problems with Review Starlight? Well, the sequel movie addresses a lot of it you're like okay thank you that is a probably a good thing but if you, i yeah. d- if i didn't know that i would have been fooled and like how can you fault me then like for a, not yeah. watching the sequel movie and oh yeah i have to watch it now like no it's not like watching it makes me sleep better at night kind of thing exactly right? or it's not compulsory even though it might enhance your enjoyment but like it's not your opinions are valid yeah it is very easily like digestible entertaining very very fun show that if you told me that that was it i would have been like yeah cool yeah. makes sense i mean like we, we we probably like we'll do like a another episode maybe even like a bp on this but like whenever you come across an anime series that's one cur you finish it and you find out that it's got more manga to go through and then you read the forums and you'd be like oh read the manga dude the manga's way better or read the original source in this instance 
you could really just pick your fancy. Yeah, right? and I, I, I'm sometimes very elitist like that too in terms of oh yeah, the source is way better or they're, mean, they're they're cutting out all this content. Yeah, I mean, right? we, we literally talked about Tokyo Ghoul and Dead Man Wonderland, right? Like those two examples are like pure examples of us being manga elitists and saying like the anime is complete garbage. You should just read the manga. Yeah, but Route A is kind of garbage though. Yeah. And and also the Demon Wonderland anime is pretty garbage, but there's going to be people who like them, right? Or Promised Neverland season two. Yeah, but it is a very complete show. Yes, the ending is not really an ending, but you can say that about a lot of anime, where the ending is very much like re- resolved but open ended. You know what I mean? That's so. the other thing, too. So it released in winter 2020, which means that based on that schedule, it would have released at the beginning of 2020. And then shortly afterwards, that's when we had COVID. Do you think that might have played a major effect into why there hasn't been anything in the last three years and why there was this news that came out that said we're actually going to start from square one all over again and do this right or just do it again? Do you think that might have had some effect? I can give you my theory but the real genuine answer is I don't yeah. know. And I'm not comfortable enough to give you... Like, you don't want to speculate that much, right? I mean, definitely COVID affected not only potentially this uh, anime production, but literally everything else yeah. around that time. Like Uncle Isekai, we're talking about... Um, Nier. Nier Adamata, yeah. Uh, Kubo. I mean, even, like, last season's stuff got affected still. So... It is what it is. These things take years to develop before they're even released. They don't release it as they go. But so. uh, but as it stands, what we ha- currently have for Toilet Bound Hanukkah-kun, you re- you would recommend it wholeheartedly. Like People should definitely check this out. It might not be everyone's cup of tea, but for the ones who want to venture into it, it's not going to be a bad time. It's a solid 8 out of 10. Fucking great. Okay, on to my last cleanup for today. Now, I've talked about Akimega Kill. I've talked about Review Starlight. I am now finally getting into the last one, which is A Lull in the Sea. Oh, I really want to know what what you feel about this show. This is another anime original that we're talking about for this episode, released back in fall of 2013, so almost a full 10 years ago, produced by possibly one of our like personal favorites, PA Works, given the fact that they not only just do really good productions, they also do very good original series. So uh, I'm not going to go into the, the mal details yet because I want to go into... Well, first of all, I'll, I'll go into the story. So oh, it, before that, it's how many... It's two curs. Two curs, but instead of... It's, it's 26 episodes, so it's a little bit longer than two curs. Right. Right. Um, now, the story follows a group of middle school children that live in the ocean in the sea actually in the the town that they live in is called shioshishio okay yeah and uh you're you're gonna i I have i don't know anything about this by the way besides the pedigree and pa works so they are a race of humans that actually live underwater and the reason why they're able to live underwater is because they have a protective layer of skin over their bodies called Enna. It's in a way kind of like allows for them to be able to oxidize uh, ocean waters and actually grab the oxygen molecules out so they can breathe and swim underwater without much sort of impedance, uh, impedance, not much detriment. So their skin is gills. It's slightly, but it's not like visually, like you can't really see it. It's just, right, it's, right. It's, it's like a little sheen, like a little glimmer um, that if you look closely, it kind of shines under the sunlight. Um, but it's 
kind of like a dwindling town because long ago there were people that decided they were fed up with living underwater and wanted to retake the land and live upon like live above the water. They found out though that in order for them to do that, they needed to essentially break out of their shell, no longer have that enna on them, and just live as regular normie human beings. So you have the sea people who live in Shioshio, and then you have the land people who live in Oshioshio. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's um. Let's we'll 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 we'll, sk- we'll skip past that because. Uh, Naming isn't necessarily the best thing about this series. That's fair. That's fair. So the four main characters end up having to relocate up to the up to the land because one, it's a small town, and there's only four middle school kids there. They're, they don't have a high school, so they actually need to get out of that school. It's, it's actually a very common thing in Japan, especially in like the more rural areas where you might have a very small population. Therefore, you wouldn't have all grades of education available. You might only have an elementary school all the way up to junior high. And when you have to go to junior, you have to go to high school, you then actually you don't fully relocate somewhere else, but you might still stay in your hometown. You just take a boat or a ferry cross the waters into the city and go to school there. Right. So it's either non-non-biori where yeah. there is multiple grades in one school. Like you have one kid in grade one, grade two, grade mm-hmm. three, grade seven. And the teacher is the principal that teaches all six grades. Yeah. And you all have one classroom together. Yep. Or you commute. Yep. So then the kids end up going to the school up on the land. Now, it's not necessarily like xenophobia or racism, but there's definitely differences between the sea people and the land people. The uh, yeah, basically the the sea people call the land people pigs, and the land people call the sea people fish. Oh, or, or, very or, subtle. Yeah, it's 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 there, and it, I think that plays like a really like important part uh, throughout the whole plot of along the sea, uh, because it's essentially the more I say about this. It actually is very spoilery because a whole lot of shit happens in this series. So, okay, how about I ask you questions? And again, I've not read the plot synopsis to make sure that I'm as spoiler-free as possible. Yeah, Maybe maybe before you ask the questions, I'll sort of give you a quick sort of breakdown on what I feel about the show. Oh, yeah, sorry. And and afterwards, then you you can then... After that, then you might have, like, the... More questions to ask on for that. Sure, sure, sure. So it's about childhood experiences. It's about growing up. But it's also about grief. It's about sadness. It's about loss. And it's about not being able to let things go. It's about trying to find your place in life, but knowing that because everything is changing around you, that you yourself don't want to change. But because you don't change, you feel left behind. You feel lonely. You feel like you don't belong in this place anymore. And rather than try and assimilate into this new society, you decide to rebel and kind of do things on your own. But then you realize, again, that by doing things on your own, you also don't have the the, the, the patronage, the, the love, the the, the the kindness and warmth that comes from people who are also going through the same changes as you. So there's no camaraderie, right? Exactly. Or at least it's harder to seek out camaraderie. Yeah. I have to say that of the three cleanups I've done, this one is by far the best that I've watched. Not only that, we're only halfway through... 2023 and we only just did our finale awards a couple months ago two months ago actually no one month ago yeah 
this has the potential to not just be the best anime of this anime season, but of the year for me. I see. It is amazing. I absolutely love this series. So, twice now with Makia being the other one, and this one being in, you know, obviously the second one, where I probably wanted to watch the show more than you. You didn't know it existed, but then you got somehow roped into it, and then now you love it to death. It's both like such an interesting phenomenon with me personally. The one thing I will give you Mm -hmm. without giving away too much, I know it might be a pretty big giveaway, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, do, is this like potentially spoilery for our listeners that you no, might... no? I mean, you can take from it what you will. Along the sea gave me Anahana vibes. Oh fuck! Yeah. Okay. I was about to say something like, I thought you were reading the plot synopsis of Shinsekai Yori, but I don't know. No. Yeah. They, uh, I mean, I, it just. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying it is because I have no idea. But the when when you described it. To be fair, I think that in terms of like the emotions that the characters go through, it's not that different from the kids growing up in Shinsekayori. The, the fucking next thing you're going to say to me, which potentially is spoilery, so don't answer this question other than like, I don't know, give me some sort of visual indication is there needs to be a time skip, right? Oh. Okay, got it. <laughs> so, um, I think A Lull in the Sea by PA Works, anime original, double curve, 26 episodes. That is a tall order. And it basically meant that there's going to be like areas where it doesn't necessarily pull something off very well. Like, I'll be honest. There were a couple of times of watching the series that things got a little bit too cliche. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you think about, for example, like romance dramas or you watch like like school-based kind of series, especially things that deal with... I mean, the, the, the like tags... Un, on, unrequited love, yeah. puppy love, I mean, the fact that the, the fact that one of the tags for the series is a love polygon, you can kind of figure that it's going to follow some similar conventions as other love polygon series. And this does not really, like, you know, shy away from it either. It does really play into those character tropes, those genre tropes, and... At times, it does feel a little bit too tropey. It feels that you kind of already figured this was going to happen. But it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's 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 just par for the course. If you're talking about a love polygon, you know that there's somebody that's going to lose out. Just it, basically, like, one of the... One of the main things you you learn from this, and it's not just from relationships, but it's also from growing up and you know dealing with change, is that when somebody wins, another person loses, and that's always been the case in the series. So it comes down to how those characters try to do their best to be able to win, and what happens when characters end up losing everything or losing the most important thing that they have in their life. It it, it literally like I mean. It just brought me through a wave of emotions. And I know we're talking about along the sea, but that's literally what it is. It's a lot of self-discovery. It's a lot of dealing with internalized pain and regret, not knowing that if by not changing, are you actually inadvertently changing yourself because of the fact that you're forcing yourself not to, that that is actually the very definition of what changing oneself is by doing something that is contrary to other people's actions. And when you actually then come to the realization that even though you don't want to change, that things will constantly change around you and you you will always be left behind, 
And there's what, nothing you can do about it. What right? happens when you get into that kind of situation, right? Like, and and at the same time, there's also a lot of things related to destiny and fate. A lot of things in which you want to change but are completely out of your control. Or maybe these aren't actually destined to be your ending or destined to be your path, but rather these are just the course of actions that will naturally happen over time, regardless of what you do about them. I mean, one of the things that I think is always rather interesting in any medium, obviously in this case being anime, is you can have all of the best intentions. You could have everything lined up. You know, we talk about Dance Dance Dancer, the athletes of having the hardest work ethic, even more than the people with talent, but you just lose out. Or you know you have good intentions. Even maybe the opposing party knows you have good intentions, but it all just fucks up. And because of it fucks up, you guilt yourself. Or, or even, you know, we talked about earlier uh you know, during our break, for some reason, we talked about survivor's guilt. That is something that is usually self-inflicting, not always, but things of that nature is basically all these themes are like heavy, heavy burdens to bear or to discuss that when you mention in the same breath Anohana, it just is like very illustrative of that gravity, right? Of fuck. And they're all like, teenagers yeah the one thing i will say as well another thing i will say um you might not want to watch anahana because of how heavy it is but you could watch a law in the sea i only cried once but i was teary-eyed for a lot of it okay it, it's it, like it won't it, scar it, me like it scar, no, not in that way but it does leave you with a lot of questions for yourself like uh, self-reflection exactly right? like right? You, uh, you end up looking at these characters and think wow i've done exactly the same thing this person has there's a lot of relatability between these characters and you know despite you know, the fantastical nature right it is i think actually that's a, actually a lot of criticism that i saw mm-hmm. from like imdb from my anime list from reddit that people felt that the fantasy element was kind of just left by the wayside. And the focus on this love polygon wasn't what they wanted when watching Lull in the Sea. But I feel like by I doing that... I think that's that, fair. But at the same time, and this might sound like condescending, but I feel that like you're kind of missing the point if you want to focus on the fantasy point. I, I get that. It is a, a wonderful setting that unfortunately does get kind of... You know, ignored after a while, but I think it's also because the story itself is trying to showcase what love really means, what it really means to put yourself out there and try and like do whatever you can to, to get what you want, but not getting it at the end, or when you actually do have something and you don't realize it until it's too late. So, can I clarify certain quote unquote lore stuff in terms of the lull in the sea, right? Mm-hmm. So there is the the everyone was sea people at first. Yeah. Then obviously yeah, there's, some, there's, there's there's a whole like uh urban legend slash story as to basically there was a there's a sea god and they were the ones who be able to Poseidon? Uh no, it's just called the sea god. Okay. Yeah. But I mean it, I, I think I think the sea god like is a little less angry than Poseidon. He doesn't just destroy everything in his Must sight. have gone that D, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. He, he, well, he did. He hey, did. There you go. He did. There you go. I mean, that's also what is like, the, that's actually what causes the main plot of the what? story. What? Yeah, yeah. I was just like fucking bullshitting, but okay. Yeah, I mean, love is a very powerful thing. 
I mean, but love it all, is a powerful thing. To the point Will. where it is absolutely destructive as well. And I think you can see the full ramifications of it from watching a law in the sea. You know, they always say all is fair in love and war, right? Yeah. Kaguya-sama, love is war, right? Yeah. So, and sometimes people really go out like full-blown war just to be able to, to get that love. And could come out empty-handed. So yeah. uh, just so that I'm clear, once you become a quote-unquote pig or land person yeah you can't go back you can't go back because you've lost that enna that you lost that sheen on your body that allows for you to breathe underwater and same thing the other way around right uh no because basically it's weird everybody started off as land people but because of some cataclysmic world event they all relocated back underwater and then after a while after centuries the sea people then started longing for the land and some ended up moving back up and that's why now the population of people living underwater is a lot smaller than it was in the land, yada, yada, yada. And then people go and convert, quote-unquote, to land people. But land people cannot convert back to sea people. Mm. So what dictates, like, what would, like, what is the process of migrating back to land? Is it as simple as, I'm just going to get out of the water and that's it? Uh, or is there, like, a ritual or... The reason why you I you basically get excommunicated. Like you like that's it. Like you leave the tribe forever, never to come back again. Because in in essence, because of the fact that the people at the sea like treasure so much that the sea god has given them that for you to just give that all away That's blasphemy, right? And therefore you're turning your back on our people, you should get the fuck out of here. So in other words, There's a there ro- could be a there- family and then like a divorce type shit happens and then their family branch becomes two branches and it's a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing. I see. I think you I think you you would really get a kick out of watching along the sea. How it, many it, Okay, it, so how many characters are there in not even necessarily within this love polygon but in this like group of teenagers whether it is land people or sea people because obviously there's some sort of interaction right? in terms of important characters there's like 10 okay but like that's the thing it's like it's a pretty big cast of characters to pay attention to but they're but they all play a very important part and none of them really get left by the wayside i think every character gets their screen time and everybody gets to tell their story no matter how painful or how beautiful it is are adults pieces of shit it depends on how you see their circumstance. Oh, God. I love those. Yeah. Holy shit. Because, Multi-layered. Because it's like sometimes you can see it as them being tough parents, tough love. But you might also see it as just them being greedy. You you, you really do have to think about like it, it's, it's, it's that yin and yang, man. It's just like how much of them doing these things is actually out of good. Whereas what they're actually doing is just pure evil. Right, it, it's 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 hard for you to discern because, like, when you think about it, everything is pretty much split in two, right? Your love for someone else versus someone's love for you. You're, You're either a, a a pig or a fish, land yeah. person or sea person. Yet everything is gray. Yep. So here's the question: Will um, a lull is a slumber? Yeah, that's the definition of it. Does I have a sneaking suspicion? You don't Do need you... to ask the rest because I think you know the answer to that by asking that question. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Holy shit. It's a great anime. I I fully endorse it 
this is my first, at least from this episode, my first nine out of ten recommendation. It only loses one point because it there, there were a few plot points that were a little bit weak. Would you say is that cliche stuff that you mentioned yeah, earlier? That's basically it. And, and there's also a few other things too that I think maybe dragged on a bit too long or doesn't really have a full on explanation. Um, I, I, I choose to ignore the fact that they don't really explain fully on why characters can breathe underwater other than they explain it through like a full, old folk tale. I was like, that's fine with me. I don't really care about that. I just want to know what these characters are going to be doing for the rest of their lives in this series. This is not like mermaid, Ariel, Aquaman type bullshit, no. right? Like this is just almost like two countries in many ways. Yeah. That are very much interwoven, interconnected with each other. Well, it's it's also like when you think about like real world as well, especially when it comes to specifically Japan. How many people decide, you know what, like I've outgrown my environment. I no longer want to live in the boonies. I I'm... don't want to fucking live in Okinawa anymore. Okinawa was a pretty no no. Big... What, what was that island? It is Okinawa. Yeah, Okinawa. Right. right. I mean, Okinawa is bumping, man. But I know what you I, mean. I like, love the, Okinawa. Le- le- but... Leaving leaving beside the countryside life to go and live in the big city. That's I want to go to Tokyo, guys. Yeah, I want to. I I am skipping loafer girl. That's like maybe not to that extent of like actually moving into Tokyo, but it's like it's a much bigger, more expansive environment to live in compared to a small little sea town and like, ch- under, underwater change, basically, yeah. as you said, and that comes with baggage. Yeah, that's the main like the the. The main two words that I will use to sort of describe the overall tone and theme is change and acceptance. Is it melancholy? Okay. I get it. Okay. I get it. There's there's a lot of characters, a lot of storylines that you can pick and choose which ones are melancholic. Now, the last question I would ask before I would talk about my last cleanup is do you think that there is a possibility if you do need to you know make do with it is do you think you can do like a deep dive character now like do you think you can talk like at length about this anime i mean we only just passed the two hour mark but if i was to keep talking about it like like with, a spoiler, spoilers, I could go on. For... Even the production. So we actually haven't really talked that much about the production. Do you want to really mention oh, that? Works did a fucking amazing job. It looks great. The music is so fucking good. I don't have any qualms with how it presents itself at all. How's the water? It, dude. There you go. Yeah, it's great. I, I I I gave him the okay symbol in case you couldn't hear it. <laughs> okay, I will end on my last cleanup which is called stars align also an anime original premiered in fall 2019 produced by studio 8-bit with a mouse score of 7.59 stars align is an extremely simple sports anime premise of a group of middle schoolers playing soft tennis have you heard of the sport soft tennis, Will? No. It is essential. Is, is, it, like, is it like pickleball or? Kind of. It, it, it Obviously, it's tennis, except instead of the fuzzy ball, you use like oh. the bouncy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in my opinion, it's one of those it's like niche maybe, it's like racket like a, sports. It's like, maybe like a, a thick, bouncy foam. 
kind like of plastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I've never like known soft tennis ball, but I always associate it with like country club, like retired couples playing mm-hmm. playing soft tennis. But instead, this is a middle school league, like highly competitive as well. So in this middle school, these group of ruffians is part of the male soft tennis team and they suck they don't give a shit they are very much like you know like we're just in it because we kind of have to do a sport but we're just like hanging around messing around it is the female softball soft tennis team that is really of any note worthy uh cue in your typical transfer student and the president of the soft tennis team happens to catch a glimpse of the transfer student trying to catch a cat that is running around in the school hallway. Oh, wow, you have good reflexes. You should join the, uh, the soft tennis team because if we do not produce results, the student council president is going to disband our club because we are costing team resources that could be allocated to other clubs who frankly probably Deserve don't take it, yeah. it for granted. So if you're just wasting your time, then don't the waste our out. time. Get the fuck out, yeah. And then you get the transfer student being like, uh, sorry, like, why do I want to join your soft tennis team? I don't play a sport, period. I just want to go home. Yeah, not be- to be rude, but this all sounds very cliche at the moment. Yep. And uh, my mom has to work because my dad and mom have a divorce so i have to do all the the housework and stuff like what's in it for me oh you as the president is super wealthy so you're just gonna pay me out and purchase everything for me and so then i will join your team oh okay so then i join your team and everyone's like what the fuck is this guy who's this guy then all of a sudden slowly over a course of 12 episodes get everyone invigorated get everyone motivated and become basically the underdog in this sports anime. So, the reason why I said all that, Will, is how much of, which you already preempted, how much of that sounds extremely stereotypical? Like a lot of sports anime series, like a lot of school series, where you just come across, like the transfer student trope is done to death. You catch a cat. You have good reflexes. Oh, our, you're our, a prodigy. Our school team. I mean, dude, fucking Ice Shield 21 started off like that. Yep, you're about to be disbanded. Then all of a sudden, hello, surprise, surprise. Your every- star running back shows up. You know? Yeah, and all of a sudden, your whole team who doesn't give a shit other than the president now gives a shit. They're about- reinvigorated now, yeah. Oh, it turns out that everyone was talented. It is just the way you go about it. You just needed the right person to push you along. Yeah, now I know like you're 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 doing this to make it seem like oh why should anyone care about this series and like we're not doing this purposefully. It's just the fact that this is all sounding very cliche and upon like initial inspection, especially when you the listener listen to this, you'd be like, yeah, no, I probably Wrong. watched like I've watched like ten series that are like exactly. this already. And with a score of seven point five nine, you would be like, okay, maybe they just do something pretty well, right? Okay. And how original can an anime original be? Okay. In this anime, a number of topics were discussed, including child abandonment. Divorce. Divorce. Gender identity issues. 
pathological lying and mental illness, potential murder and hatred, ego, that obviously comes with a lot of sports anime. Like lack of control of ego? Potential self-harm, and all done in a way that is completely unexpected. You know the saying of don't judge a book by its cover. I mean, bro, you're talking about murderous intent and like mental, like, mental like psychological issues and whatnot like this is all very unexpected when talking about but appears to be on the surface a shonen sports series child abuse yeah manipulation like to the point where you're fine-tuned as a pathological liar yeah it is such an odd story because all those things i said actually have very little other than maybe like ego right has to do with sportsmanship or the sports of soft tennis and i'm sure you would know that in the pantheon of sports animes if you really need to boil it down which is not really fair to the genre but if you really need to boil it down there are two types of sports anime the anime where the sports is the central focus that is the main thing that ties everything together or it is used as a pretense to then talk about issues, talk about themes, character yeah. drama, and like interactions. You would, like you would say, like, Captain Tsubasa is purely soccer. It's purely the sports. Right. Whereas Ping Pong the Animation is everything else behind it. It's funny you said Ping Pong the Animation because the... Because that was, like, if you really think about it, there's a lot of fucked up things in Ping Pong the Animation. So, minus the weird art style, the very good... Are you talking about Ping Pong or are you talking about Star's Line? Ping Pong. Okay. The quirky art style that Yuasa has implemented. The very well done one. Tatsunoko Productions did really well for that, yeah. Exactly. If you exclude the art style, the even the soundtrack is done by a fusion jazz band. Yeah. yeah. And it is hella good. The graphics animation, it, because there's like the 3D used during the some parts but mm. actually a lot of the matches don't use 3d the main 3d is the ball yeah <laughs> they actually have it it's such a weird show and it is unfortunate because there are certain controversies that stopped it from potentially being a very good show the first thing was it encountered a certain controversy regarding its ending credits there was essentially a very typical ending credits of these characters dancing, but then somehow it's like copyright infringement or like plagiarism of, of yeah. this TikTok trend. And then uh, the studio had to come out and apologize for it. Then here's the other thing, which is because of this and other things, it was originally slated to be a double cur original anime and they were in production and had like a lot of it done. Then out of nowhere, due to hot water, the commission, uh, the committee, the production committee is like, your 24 episodes is going to be 12 now. Like like straight up out of nowhere when they probably have produced like three quarters of it just waiting to be released. It's like, nope, you're not even going to release it in Blu-ray. It's just game over. Then comes the fans trying to get the funding to finish the rest of the double curve, which unfortunately uh, the director has come out and said that 
it's not feasible anymore. But it took several years to get to that point of giving up on the project. The other thing I found out was it bombed in Japan. Like it did horribly. And all of the recognition and fervor was from outside of Japan. Mm. But because, as we mentioned before, because it doesn't really, a lot of Japanese production committees or just companies in Japan don't really care a lot about international as much as domestic, just because it's the way it is, it did not receive a lot of support. Yeah. It's, it's, it's again that whole Galapagos syndrome thing where, like, Whatever you think is popular in Japan probably isn't, and there's stuff that like you probably never heard of, but is incredibly popular in Japan. Like, okay, just to sort of rewind and talk about Batum, for example. Yeah. Batum is massively popular overseas, but in Japan, when they were doing Blu-ray sales initial launch, they only sold 300 copies in Japan. Like, it is so weird going back to Batum, right? When your cover is the Xbox 360 like parody art. But the Xbox 360, historically speaking, did horrendous performance in Japan. Like, I don't understand. I mean, I I appreciate it. You're, yeah. you're, it's a nod to a good console that I used throughout, like, my academic career. I think it's probably just easier to parody Microsoft, an American company, as opposed to doing anything PlayStation. Like Sony? So, yeah. Like, it could be. It, it could, could be. be. I mean... We won't know for sure. We won't have the statistics or the data or the p- people to back up these claims. But when you see this countless times, you can't help but... Yeah. So there's a lot of like controversy and corporate betrayal that's been invoked on Stars Align. And so basically, like you, you could safely say it's been dealt a shorthand from the get-go. Yes. And, of course, you can say, Jason, isn't this the moment where you say the stars are not aligned? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Pat mm-hmm. yourself in the back. Yep, I did. Um, yep. But here's the thing, Will. I really wanted to give this a 9 out of 10. I really wanted to. But I couldn't. It's such it's a show where when you finish the 12 episodes, even though in many ways it does wrap things up, despite the cliffhanger ending in the post credit scenes, a very big cliffhanger, by the way, um, it was very clear that at that point, oh, yeah, this is going to start the second curve, which obviously didn't happen despite having several episodes already produced. Like it could have been more than what it originally is. And it would have gone places because it's not every day where you talk about all these topics of child abuse, helicopter parent, egotistical. And I'm not necessarily always talking about the parents. In fact, 80% of it is about like middle school kids talking about being adopted, but then like how despite being loved, it doesn't feel right. But is there a wrong or a right? Not really. But does that mean then you denounce how that person feels? Or do you go to certain lengths to end something when, like, when at one point do you cash in on a certain arrangement or you had no intentions of cashing it in, but then it, like, it is such a complex, like, anime all on the backdrop of a niche racket sport 
Is it a shonen? Because yeah. you're talking about some real seinen shit. I would say it, they're all middle schoolers, so it is shonen, but it's nothing like a shonen. It's all seinen. Like, there are these things where when you talk about, like, I, I don't know how to, like, go into it without, like, mentioning spoilers, but I think the gender identity thing is something that is so maturely done that I don't see that being done within the realm of sports anime that is done in such a way that I'm just like, this is quite refreshing. This is quite amazing. That if, I mean, listen, we get a lot of our news from Anime News Network, right? And I'm not saying anyone's opinion is more valid or less valid. But when I had to, you know, just do some background research, especially to get the news stories, and I just so happened to come across when I Google Stars Align on Anime News Network, and there it showed up on their search list, best of 20, what was it, 2019? Yeah, 2019. And half of the, the, the critics, half of the writers, all put it as their best or runner-up of, of fall 2019. It's kind of insane, dude. Yeah. And I kind of agree. Like, and I'm only giving it an 8 out of 10 because it falls short. Yeah. But it's not their doing. It's just the fact that they were... I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Like, we, we talk about the corporate portrayal, the last minute pullout of, like, the last 12 episodes and whatnot. But Like, imagine you finishing a series only, like, literally at the last second, pull the plug. And then people shit on you because it isn't... Technic, it, 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 what they saw publicly is an un- incomplete anime, and you're not even allowed to say anything until after the fact due to stipulations, and also you can't even sell on Blu-ray. I mean, it's like that live-action Sonic movie, right? When they first released the trailer, and they were like, and how, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? Did that Sonic look like that? And then they realized, okay, I know we are deep in production, but let's start all over again. And then, But then, after that, it's like, oh, wow, you guys... You know, chickened out. You guys are just starting all over again. Boo. Then have the fans of Star Align make such a conscious effort to be like, oh, we'll fund your shit. And even have that be rejected. Yeah. Is insane. The story behind it. And the, despite the anime's tone, it covering a lot of dark subjects, the palette in which it is used is not like pessimistic it is not cynical but it almost makes it worse because when you see just the depravity and just how bad human beings are to one another you just can't it's like in the lull in the sea okay i don't know for a fact but i'm assuming lull in the sea is very colorful oh it's absolutely beautiful yeah but the subject matter that they go through is anything but full of vibrancy and just positivity. There yeah. could be, but it looks very pretty. But maybe once you touch it, it breaks. Yeah. Stars Align is that in a nutshell. And even though it is an 8 out of 10, it probably should be a, like a 9.5 out of 10, yeah. really. Well, I mean, there is a glimmer of hope. I mean, back earlier this year in February, Kazuki Akane, the director for the series, mentioned that uh, the 
he, he's still trying to find a way to get this thing back on screen. Um, that, however, of course, the script is it needs to be rewritten because a lot of the nuances now could be lost in translation. The translation this time, not to mention that they've also been going through some uh, pretty tough uh, health situations over the last two years. Uh, so they are working on trying to get this a successful sequel. It's just that as of now in 2023, uh, there's still no closer to getting it back on air. And it is unfortunate because a lot of the things that they tackle, I think is a lot of issues that the typical Japanese government or population tries to not either acknowledge or sweep under the rug. And it's something that is more discussed or more tackled in Western media, international media, such that when you see an anime criticizing a parent being a helicopter parent, despite, in my opinion, showing all the symptoms of being overprotective, over-controlling. And you might have some problems with it because you might be like that. Yeah. But it also plays fair because it shows when you coddle a, a child, then they get battered and bruised when they face the harsh realities of life, when not everything is rosy. Yeah, and I think that's basically, you know, like you mentioned, right? That's probably what the director is saying in terms of, like, writing a new script in fear that the nuance that he was going for gets lost in translation where people see that and they criticize it because it attacks the very thing that they are. And that's probably why production halted. Um, look, from the sounds of it, this sounds like, I wouldn't say an incredible series, but it sounds like something that is very deeply profound can give you a lot more than just what the meaning of life is and also shine a light on certain things that you probably brush under the rug and have to like deal instead of doing that having to come face to face with it and dealing with it head on i think similar to alone of again i'm not trying to necessarily say i'm comparing the two but i purposely wanted both of us to talk about these two shows last is because whereas alone in the sea for all intents and purposes, based on what you're saying and what everyone else is saying on the internet. It's a lot cheerier than than this. And they pulled it off, right? In terms of sticking the landing, delivering the package. Here, it's... They did not necessarily pull all of it off or most of it off, but almost like I want to give it an extra point or 1.5 points just because you tried. And... It could have been so much more and we don't fault you for not being able to stick the landing. Because it's not your fault. It was everything else, and despite that, you still managed to convince me to advocate. Right. But it is, unfortunately, only an 8 out of 10. Now, with all the series that you watched, right? Hanukkah-kun, Stars Align, Batum, and... Dance, Dance, Dance Dancer. Dancer. Is, there, is there one that you can outright say, y'all should watch this if you haven't? Stars Align. Mm. Yeah, I, I think the safe and good choice would be dance dance dancer mm. and i and i'm i really like the show i think stars align does not show up all the time and for me to really think about the show despite all its flaws to me is i just want more people to watch it and whether or not you come out of it on the other side praising it or criticizing it the fact that people are i would advocate for people to watch it to me is just enough right 
I think for me, it's straightforward. A Lull in the Sea is by right. far the number one recommendation I have on my side. And it's, look, I think the score on my enemy list is a 7.97, which is still very good. I wouldn't say that, like, it's unfair that it's not above an 8. Because, again, I think I'm attaching like some personal feelings to it based on stuff I've watched in the past. But it's, but if I say yeah. if it was an 8.4, you would be like, oh, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. If like, it was an 8.1, I'd be like, yeah, no, that that's completely fair. That's why I'm not like so I'm not mad at it being a 7.97. I think that's a very fair score because it's 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 basically like middle of the road for people who either really really love the show or are only just okay with the show. And you always get people that review bomb it or the opposite. They give 10 out of 10 when they may not feel that way. Yeah. Oh, it, there's also people that I've seen on Mal. They're like, I didn't like this because I don't love love stories. It's like, well, then why do you watch this? Love Polygon is like the number one tag on this thing. <laughs> you know, like you have, you have those kinds of people. I'm into geometry, just not yeah. like love. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I, I, it's like, it, it's like watching Toilet Band, Hanukkah and expecting a lot of toilets. And like, oh, that toilet doesn't even flush itself. That's bad. Are you saying that prison school is not a prison, nor a school? Yeah. Oh, you, have you watched prison school yet? No. Oh, my God. You should watch it. Uh, hey, um, we are recording this in advance because you have some travel plans. There is a good amount of time in between then where, in my opinion, I need to clear out ideally more than half of my on-hold list, such as like watching or hearing about a, a, a lull in the sea and talking about a review star like Dance Dance Dancer, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about Nodama Katabile and Honey and Clover. Mm, maybe I... Uh, but those were really good. I know, Will. So my 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 plan is... Did you is finish Honey and Clover? Both of them are sitting on the one cur mark of right. the two curs of the first season. Yeah, you're going to have to get into season two, man. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's so good. Oh, God. Um, I think about that's about... Like that's about it, right? That wraps it up. I mean, we don't need to talk about potentially our picks for yeah, cleanup yeah. six. Not picking them, but like where we stand, right? You haven't watched a single episode of Prison School, right? Don't waste it. I will. I mean, unless if you really want to, I'll throw it in there. Why not? Sure. But um, yeah, we're not going to talk about cleanup six yet, uh, simply because we haven't fleshed out like each potential pick that we may have uh but rest assured that we'll be letting you all know ahead of time so that when we do start talking about them that you either watch it along with us or you prepare yourself listen to our episode and then figure out if you want to watch it just like how today we hope that our reviews of along the sea and stars align will push you to watch those ones or maybe the other stuff like platoon where i can make a kill will you're not gonna believe this so the director for along in the sea is toshia Shinohara, right? Yeah, and there's also the screen, uh, the script, uh, the screenwriter uh, who also worked on Anohana, and also uh, Makia. Yeah. So what are the fucking odds, dude? Yeah, and I, Somali I and uh, the Forest yeah. Spirit. Holy fuck! Yeah. So you know why I really vibe with the Law of the Sea. This shit is stacked. Yep. Lupin, what the fuck? Yeah, you you really should watch a Law of the Sea. And now we have reached the end of our episode. Thank you for listening. You can always reach us through our email, gapalette at gmail.com. That's G-A-P-A-L-E-T-T-E, all lowercase, all one word. 
you can now use the handle at Palette Good. That's capital P and capital G, all one word. Or if you want to be cool like me and register on Threads, we are at Good Anime Palette, all lowercase, all one word. We don't need to talk about Meta, but hey, if you want www.facebook.com slash Palette Good, capital P and capital G, all one word. But at the end of the day, we probably would want to tell you to check out our website, www.goodanimatepalette.com, all lowercase, all one word, including our rules page that is on there. We put in a lot of effort just to make sure everything is kosher on there. And so we don't of, have to talk about it every single time we do these episodic formats. You're probably sick of it. We are sick of it. And guess what? We don't have to worry about it no more. It's on there now. You can probably join us on Discord to tell us, Jason, you should probably watch A Lull in the Sea or Prison to, School or to Will. Like, hey, how about just chill out for a bit? I don't know. I'm not going to say anything. Or watch Jormungand. Maybe. Guns blazing. Our music credits for this episode, though, uh, are... Oh, shit. Our intro music is E... Shit, I opened the wrong... Um, Stall for like 10 seconds, Will. Yeah, don't worry about it. Look, we, we, run, we run through a lot of music per season, and therefore it's quite easy for us to kind of forget which songs we're repping, but uh, don't worry. Uh, we always, of course, have the show credits written in our show description, including all the music credits that are provided by Epidemic Sounds. That's where we got our music from. They have a very wonderful platform of free, of not royalty-free music, but music that is provided by artists from all over the world to be able to enhance your soundtracks and add stuff into your movies, your YouTube videos, whatever it may be. Yeah, we have a referral link in the show description. Terms and conditions apply. So now I have it open now. Our intro music is Never or Right Now by ELFL. Our break music is Never Gonna Wake Up, the instrumental version by Mind Me. And our outro music is Like the Ocean by The Big Letdown. The sh- uh, we have said our show housekeeping script out a little bit out of order, but... No worries. Everything will be just fine within the show description. We give work credit where credit is due, and everything is provided in the show description. So that was 48 episodes. Well, the maximum of 48 episodes. I think overall you watch like 40, like 40? Because you only watch four episodes of uh, Batum. Yeah. So 12, 12, 12, 4. Yeah, I watched just, I watched 62 episodes. Yeah, I know. I feel, maybe we should like lower the five cur to maybe like a four cur system yeah but it's also like i mean that, that's fine i guess i mean this time around in the future we may need to start cutting it down a bit but uh look i despite the amount of anime i watched i thoroughly enjoyed every single thing that i watched mm-hmm. yes there were criticisms for some of the series but it wouldn't fully detriment like it wasn't fully detrimental to my overall enjoyment i think i don't know about if we should implement like a change policy of well, oh, that means we're gonna have to change the rules on our website. I again. know, but like, if I just don't like jive with Batum, for example, then I, I I think everybody gets one. You get one, just like you know what this show was absolutely garbage. I want to pick something else out of the hat, and then you know what, like whatever the second option is, you go with that. Well, we can work. We can work. We can work with it. We can yeah, figure we'll, out what, we'll, what the we'll, best we'll way. We'll figure it out as we go. Um, so. Have a good rest of the summer until we will see you next time. I think we will have... Are we doing Gotta Watch Them All first or are we doing ASAP two, 3 first? 
Because I know those are the next ones. Episode 64 and 65 are Gotta Watch Them All and ASAP. I just forgot which one comes first. Gotta Watch Them All. Okay. So I got a lot of Gun Gear Online to watch. I mean, we can always reverse it. It's nah, that's cool. No, we I mean, make like, the look, rules, look, bro. I've got a 13-hour flight coming up, so that's a lot of time for me to watch a bunch of anime and read some manga. So unless I set to sleep throughout most of it. I've got all my ASAP materials ready. Yeah, and uh, quite excited to talk about some of those. I mean, just just watch, okay? Just a couple more episodes later, it's going to dawn on you that fall is coming up. I know we're only in the second week of summer, but yeah, fall's just 10 weeks away, man. <laughs> so in other words, you winning the seasonal bet is... Oh, let's not even talk about that yet. Let's just leave that until the day comes, right? We can we can give a little soft updates. Um, but I think this would be a good time to just wrap things up, end it, and call it a day because we're both very tired from watching a love anime. We're going to take a nice long break. Uh, but don't worry, these episodes will still come out in order so that your listening experience will not change. Yep. And uh, that's it, guys. Have a wonderful day. Take it easy, y'all. Peace. Peace.